This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that didn't call Jose Mourinho Judas last night. Well, nothing like an FA Cup quarterfinal against Man United at home, under the lights, and last night did not disappoint. With controversy, cynical tactics, abuse, overpriced, inflated egos everywhere. And that was just in the pub beforehand. Of course... With the return of Jose Mourinho, I know, all helps, thanks lads. Of course, with the return of Jose Mourinho, who just can't seem to let his enmity of being supplanted as Chelsea manager go, things were always likely to be feisty. In the end, though, a tight, tense 1-0 win did not do justice to the battering we gave United. Ultimately, who cares? Whatever will be, will be. We're going to Wembley. And the double is still on. Now, I am Stanford Chich, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Fancast, Judas Gate. They're stunned into silence, quite right too. Uh, now, joining me on the show, uh, and I know that they won't be silent for long, that is for sure, but I'm aided and abetted as always by my oh, dear friend, me, uh, Sir Jonathan Kidd. Thank you. I have. Yes, I, How I, are I you, went boy? to, Lovely to see you briefly to last night to, to uh, escort him into the ground. And there you were doing your London Live uh, uh, interview with the lovely Alex mm. Churchill. And you were mm. as consummate professionals as I would expect. We were. And uh, you did. You you watched it happen, didn't you? We were on the, on the old BBC local it, London it, News, weren't we? give it to you and stick it on the fancast page. You, oh, did you? Oh. Doing. Oh, you yeah. must do that, because yeah. I haven't seen lovely it. Lovely to be on the nice. show. Lovely. Anyway, lovely to have you with us, as always, JK. Uh, somebody who I sadly didn't see, because I was, in fact, too busy doing that blooming television interview, but I didn't yeah, see Dan Silver. Well, 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 how are you, mate? You all right? But I will be, I will be for the next home match, whenever that will be. Palace. Mm. Yeah, Palace. I don't know what it is, actually. Do, yeah. do, do anybody remember? 
Palace, Palace, yeah. yeah, Palace at home. Yeah, I'll see you for that then. Absolutely. Uh, and well, of course, I'll see you on Thursday night, of course. Uh, but there we go. Um, last but by no means least, it's lovely to have with us here again. The Good Reverend evening, Toby my dear Archbishop. Lover. Good to be here. Mm. And well, you as you know, I've got a bucket shoulder um, well. and I'm getting old and cranky. Um, and last <laughs> night I managed to kick off a bit of a shitstorm on Twitter over, over, over the Judas comments and several other things. So I, I, I'm in a feisty mood. I, I, oh, I, I, I did. Well, I, I did cause a bit of a good. ruck last night and I'm quite pleased I did as well. So, yes, good to be here. Well, good on you. Well, yeah, I I think we will we will definitely be set, as you can imagine from the title that I've uh, I've got for the show tonight we will be setting the world to to write on that very topic in fact as as I've just teased uh, on the show tonight we investigate Judas Gate did Jose Mourinho deserve the abuse he got last night was it really as widespread as the press made out and anyway isn't it time for everybody to just move on uh, in part 2 uh, we discussed United's clear tactics to kick Hazard out of the game, thankfully coming unstuck. Uh, poor finishing, giving us too much stress. Drawl at Kante's imperious performance again. And look forward to the semi-final against Spurs at our <laughs> second home, not theirs. Uh, in part three, we've got a monster select. I mean, we have got, I mean, record. We've broken records this week, but we've got a monster selection of emails from you. Plus news on the Chelsea Supporters Trust Jack Whitley crowdfunding campaign. And in part four, we've got news about books by the girl who likes balls. A. Oh, a. I love a. my Alex. Tony Smut buddy, Alex Churchill. And foot yes, and Football Factory author John King. Uh, the sad plight, this is quite a serious issue actually, the sad plight of a young autistic lad facing a football banning order who needs our support. And a special offer from the art of football and even more of your emails. It's just email city tonight, but there you go. Anyway, do not... Yeah, Jonathan's going to have his work cut out tonight, that's for sure. Anyway, don't forget, you can... Do not forget, you can listen to the show live, live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in all the other lovely people who we have in tonight. We've got a lovely selection already. Who can I see? The lovely Clive Lewis. Pradge is in there. Jeffrey Asselstein, Asselstein, Jeffrey Asselstein, as we like to call him. Uh, Jason Chuckles Cabby, we saw him last. <laughs> I saw him last night. Tony Glover, oh, he's on the show. Fancy that. Chips Chiverton. Ali Fragley's there. She just said hello and good evening. Well, it's lovely to see so many people in there. And Bonnie Rig Blue, who uh, who uh, I, I, I who tweeted me last night. I will reveal what he tweeted in a minute. But. Uh, the usual mobber in there, which is always good to see. Of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast, and uh, we'll always try and get back to you as we do now. After this very tiny, tiny break, we will talk about Lord. Judas Gate. Okay, so uh, yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Let's just get this one out of the way right now. But um, I mean, I didn't realise it at the time because I'll be very honest with you. I, I, you know, where I'm, I, I, you know, you can't really hear 
uh, what goes on from the East Lower. But I certainly didn't hear any, uh, you know, abuse of the Judas variety being uh, hurled at uh, Jose Mourinho. I mean, of course, Jonathan, well, you, you sit really, really near there. So actually, you you must be best placed to really kick this off. Did you hear? Did you hear the East Lower no, call him Judas or anything? In a blue hat, who did it? It mm. was one bloke who Mourinho was having. It. One bloke Mourinho was having a chat. One to bloke. I was, it was right right beneath me, and Mourinho kept looking at this one bloke. Then he held the three fingers up to this one bloke, and everybody looked at the one bloke who was, and it was a guy in a blue. Um, you know, a blue uh, ski hat. And that was the abuse. And it's been completely put out of proportion by everybody. Mm. That was it. Well, there we go. I'm now go- I'm, I'm now going to go all Breitbart on us, Jonathan, because I now have a conspiracy theory, which is I think yeah. it was a Jose Mourinho plant so that he could get the story rumbling. But, I mean, in all seriousness, though, you're, you're, it, it, I, you see, I didn't know that for a fact. I mean, I, I heard where I was. I heard a few... Uh, I mean, you know, somebody I know in the Matthew Harding Lower was saying there was quite a, quite a lot of F-off Mourinho going on and a lot of sit-down Mourinho and you're not special anymore. But it, my experience was whenever anything like that started, it was utterly drowned out by very throaty Antonio, Antonio, all of that going on. But I think the, the issue for me... Is isn't it interesting? Of course, that the East Lower, who let's be honest, are not famous for 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 much atmosphere yeah. or chanting. Yeah. I mean, it's the family yeah. section for God's sake. It's all kids and their mum and dads. Um, but it's yeah. very near the press uh, box, isn't it? So interesting that because I woke up this morning and on Talksport and they were talking about nothing else and basically every single. Chelsea supporter across the land, let alone those who were there, were all coating Mourinho off for 90 minutes, according to TalkSport and the press and the media. And I did see a little bit of Twitter when I eventually got back in late last night. So what you're saying, it being that you sit yeah. almost in the same place as them, is that one bloke, yeah. one bloke in a blue hat... Yeah, and kept having a go at him. Jose and everybody Mourinho looked Judas. at him. And some people told him to shut up. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, there was no chanting, did none they? of it. No, Because we would, I'd have heard it. It would just blow me, nothing. But it was this one bloke who he kept looking round at, and this bloke stood up and just kept kept gesticulating at him, and uh, and then one of the stewards told him to sit down, and that was that was and the, and Mourinho did the three thing to him specifically to him to this bloke, and turned round, and that was that was then later on it seemed to catch on. There was all that. Well, anyway, what was it? You're not special anymore. Then he held the three. Uh, he held the uh, held the three. No, sit down. Yeah, sit down, yeah. Mourinho, and he held the three fingers up again. So that was obviously his default was to, I'm going to show you I've won it three times because he mentioned it afterwards. But um, it, it was it was uh, it, there was no chanting going on in the family area. There never is. It's the family area. Well, quite. I know. Well, do you know what the do you know what the best the best outcome of this, of course, is, is that um, I, I'm going to I'm going to get this plug out the way now because, you know, rather than fanny around. But. I've just started, uh, as of today, actually, to start. I'm doing a weekly blog for Football uh, London, and uh, I've really gone to town on this whole Mourinho thing. But uh, you know, I didn't. No, I did say I didn't hear anything because of where I am. But I presumed that there was more than one person saying Judas. But I've kind of laid the. In fact, I wish I'd gone to town more actually, because whilst I did say, you know, I said that the supporters have given this to Mourinho on a plate so that he could, Machiavelli, in a Machiavellian style, make something out of it. 
but I'm now even more astonished to learn that it's only one person. But Dan, it seems like Mourinho. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I, I heard it, the, it? what you mentioned the odd f off Mourinho, sit down Mourinho. Listen, he he is a master manipulator. Um, that is one of his his, his strengths. He, you know, it almost feels disingenuous. If he went, he left Chelsea and suddenly became this nice, placid individual. He mentioned it afterwards. What it simply does is it deflects away from the fact that United lost, had a man sent off and were going to the FA Cup because no one was talking about the fact they were inept for most of the match. He's, he's, a, he's a very clever individual. Um, play, playing games, playing the press off, well, that's what he's done. You know, he's, and we're all talking about him. You know, irrespective of what you think of the man as an individual, what he's done for the club has been fantastic. Now, if you like him or don't like him, that's kind of a moot point. What, what he's done for us is it's been fantastic. He, did, he, did, he deserves that respect. And, you know, you know he's, he polarised opinion now amongst Chelsea fans. And as you say, Twitter last night, there was a, you know, for every Mourinho fan, there was a, you know, he can F off, we don't want him, he's, he's, he's toxic. But he just, he just... Well, I was going to say, he, he just, he's just a master Sorry, manipulator. Sorry, finish your point. Whatever happened, if it did happen, I'm not sure, you know, exactly to what extent he's manipulated the whole situation to deflect away from United's performance which is what he does he did it for us yeah which is yeah, yeah. exactly which is his MO entirely I mean it's really interesting actually because you're all kind of saying exactly what I've said in this article I promise I won't plug it anymore um, but I, I will put a link up when it when it appears. Um, but uh, I, I'm really, you know, having you know talked, we we all had the chance to kind of have a quick chat with Tony before we went on air, and, and Tony apparently went 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 full metal jacket on Twitter last night. Tony, what what, I, what well, was your start? I basically on this? joined I in a conversation is, as I, you do I, on Twitter, you know, you know uninvited between Tim Rolls and um, uh, and the lovely Clayton Beerman, um, where um, they been some comment i think tim had overheard some stuff being said and had said look you know at the end of the day the blokes won us you know three premierships blah 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 etc um now what i'd seen on the bits that i did manage to see last night was there was a lot of kind of there seemed to be a lot of crowd baiting going on so i just said look, at the end of the day i'd I, what i'm we go it sort of links into the conversation we've had before on here about people singing anti-tottenham songs and i know we're going to cover liquidator later on etc or probably touch on on how that's been ruined and instead of actually praising the team people are just on my timeline nappy shit in they're slagging Mourinho off he's an absolute this that and the other and and I, I'm tired of it I, I'm absolutely sick I, I appreciate people pay money go in they can pretty much say what they like they can boo if they want they can call him what they like and, you know, Judas is patently not true anyway and and, and a bizarre thing to, to level at him but um, my view was why don't you just ignore him why don't you just ignore his alleged digs and comments we all know what he was like when he was doing it for us, we loved it. We were there. We were, he's doing the fortress mentality. He's deflecting away from our team's either good or bad performances. That's what he's done. That's what he's always done wherever he's gone. But now just ignore it. It comes back to this point. You saying on about, about time people just moved on. Just give it up. Okay. He's an opposing manager who has put our, put our club, let's be fair, he's put our club where it is. He, it, him. Abramovich's money and everything else like that, but someone had to drag us up from, if you like, the doldrums of the Ranieri years and make us winners. And he was ruthless at it. And people seem to have very short memories. And now they just want to sully the memory of what he did for our club by getting themselves upset instead of just saying, oh, 
go away, you stupid man. I'm ignoring you. Just ignore it. Get on Get on with praising the club, the players, Conte, <laughs> uh, and that. Get on with the positive. Try to be a bit positive. I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm such a pessimist. But try to be positive about things instead of just focusing on we hate Tottenham, we hate Mourinho, we hate this. That's what It drives me mad. You know, sometimes I stand, I sit there. I know, I know people, look, football yeah, fans we, have a right to say, you know, what they want. They pay their money. They're the only ones that pay to go in the ground. I'm just a bit hacked off with fans um, who, who spend their time basically filling up pampers over bile and vitriol on a man that used to be our manager instead of saying, what a fantastic game such and such had last night or weren't the crowd great or wasn't the atmosphere great or whatever. That's it. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I'm, I almost feel like giving a round of applause after that, peeps. I mean, Tony's on f- fighting form tonight. I have to say, mate, again, I mean, it's amazing. This is why I love you guys. This is why you're on the show. But nearly everything that you said I have put in this blog, which, will, as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet out later. But, I mean, you know, I, look, I can't agree more than that. I mean, my own, my own view on this is that, uh, you know, he deserves a lot of gratitude and respect for what he achieved with us, but he's not our manager anymore. I mean, if he wants to be bitter and twisted about it, it's up to him. I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to hammer him for doing it because we used to love it when he did it when he was our manager, but he's not our manager anymore. I love and respect what he did for us, but, mm. you know, it's all about Precisely. Antonio for me now. It's, Move yeah, on, living, you know. Sorry, um, I was going to say it's all, it's all about the Jose bubble. Sorry, Once on, you're man. outside the bubble, you realise that he can be what he is. He's very anti, very antagonistic, argumentative, and, and and the character he is. But that's who he's been throughout his entire career. And I wouldn't expect him to be doing anything else at United. It just is what he is. But when he's yeah. when he left us the first time, he was in Milan and then Madrid. So he didn't really see the whole histrionics, and now he's in it on a daily basis. You see all his life, but then he's, he's a very successful manager. So, you know, you, you take the rough with the smooth. As far as I'm concerned, it's all about Antonio, you know. You do indeed. I mean, the, the other thing that I thought was interesting, and I, I don't know if any of you lot picked up on this, again, you know, JK's in the perfect position to see this, but, you know, up till now, Jonathan, Conte's played a blinder and with a very straight bat and has not bitten or, or risen to, you know, any of the you know, barbs that uh, and the digs that Mourinho has been foisting upon him and us since since the beginning of the season, really, in his huge kind of mind game style. But there was a sense last night that that, that Antonio kind of lost his rag with Mourinho and, and did respond. And they, ha- they had a bit of a ding-dong. I mean, on another day, they could have perhaps both been sent off. So, you know, that tells me that actually maybe Mourinho has got under Conte's skin well, a bit, but opposite. he's not going to take a step uh, backwards. Conte's got under Mourinho's skin, actually. I, I felt he was... Uh, he had to do something. He had to do something because... Um, Quite possibly, um, yeah. Mourinho's tactic, as we'll be getting on to, was to, um, was to uh, try and uh, kick as many Chelsea players as he possibly could in the first 20 minutes. So, uh, um, and he, he, he had to make it clear that, uh, that he didn't approve of it. Um, but they, when they were told off by the referee, there was a there was a lovely moment where both of them were were both looking in the other direction, like a couple of uh, couple of schoolboys um, <laughs> being told off by by the yeah. by the beak by the uh, by the headmaster. But um, uh, no, I just felt he he it, it he's a he's a man of great emotion, which we all love, uh, Conte, and it, it it seemed to fit to me that he was uh, 
he was having a go because otherwise to you he's he's almost in the the two stags getting their their horns together he'd be uh, being submissive i think he had to do it he had to be seen to be uh, being aggressive um and uh, and he he certainly did that goodness me he went completely berserk didn't he conte but it was a it was a um it was a side of him that we've never seen before but i didn't uh, I, I thought it was absolutely justified the way that they played in the first um, 20 minutes, as was, uh, you know, ultimately proven with the sending off. Um, but no, I, yeah. No, say, you know, you keep going. Well, of course, go. Marie, 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 sorry, mate, go on. Well, I was just saying that what occurred to me, actually, when you're saying that was that, of course, Mourinho yeah. started this because remember when we thumped them 4 0. You know, he got he got into Conte's ear literally, and and yeah, coached him off for uh, over celebrating. Right. That, was, that was just and, and kind of rubbish, you, know, I, you know. I know much yeah, more than absolutely. you about management, and I know what happened here. And this is yeah, yeah, yeah. This is was, my place, not yours. That was and, the inference, uh, wasn't it? But I think yeah. Mourinho yeah. came along yeah. um, uh, defensively. I think he expected that w- people would have a go at him, and I, I know I, I, I we, we all we all loved him and still do love him, as we've all been just saying on the show. And uh, it's just that that we're very aware. That I, th- I think he's changed. I think he's a he's a much more bitter person, a much more miserable person. And uh, um, and he, he, we like the the flashes of humour that we saw in him and the playfulness in him. And I'm not. I don't get that from yeah. him at all anymore. Well said, J.K. Yeah. I don't see it. You know. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He just look. He just looks yeah. ill and old and bitter and twisted. I mean, the other thing. I mean, I I know this for a fact. I've got people who, I mean, Andy Silverman's in the house tonight. He he'll know this too because he's got he's close to a lot of people at the club. But when Mourinho came back, even even when we won the title that season, he was a different animal. All this bollocks about the happy one, rubbish. I mean, he was a miserable, nasty, bitter, snide person. He was not nice to a lot of people at that club. The man's changed, and it's a great show. Listen, very quickly, um, Fursy, I've got to read this out, not least because Wayne Furs has been listening to the podcast, oh, man, since we started, I think. And in fact, Wayne, probably, I think, he sent in one of the first uh, Facebook posts to us, so it's lovely to see him listening in live. But as far as I'm aware, Wayne, you're still in Australia, aren't you? But anyway, he said, and this is brilliant, he sums it up perfectly. He says, I think why sentiment has become bitter uh, is because... Uh, he, as in Mourinho, always said he could never manage another team in the Premier League. But, uh, you know, I, I agree. We all know what he's like. I think he's jealous that Conte's come in, won games and won our hearts. And actually, you know what? I think he might have a point there. I think that I think what might be underpinning a lot of this is a real jealousy and resentment that that actually there is somebody else who's managing the club now who potentially we might end up and I think also more. Chidge has got the very players who, uh, who failed to do anything last year and were so abject to perform so fantastically this year there's that as well going on isn't there so you're absolutely right there's, I'm sure there's a, a yeah, huge bundle yeah. of emotions with the man dealing with, uh, with Chelsea I don't he know failed. Did, did... he failed didn't he he failed miserably yeah but did yeah. any of you see the pre-match Sorry, Tony. So, so did any of you see the pre-match interview he did with um, Lineker on, on on BBC One, where he Lineker asked him out straight and said, "Do you feel betrayed by the players or let down by the players or whatever for what happened last season?" And he he he, he seemed quite genuine. He sort of shrugged his shoulders and said, "No, not really. I think we were all guilty of um, failing to perform after what was a brilliant season the year before." He said, "I think it was just a collective kind of effort of 
you know, failure from me through the team, through everything, or whatever, you know, that kind of, that difficult second album, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think, you know, I think you're right. There was a, a, a an air of bitterness. There was, I mean, the toxicity around him when he left was was almost a relief to to let him go. My my bigger point was, you know, again, just ignore him and um, and move on because, like you said, um, Chidge, uh, Antonio Conte's come in, and as far as he said on, in the room, he's taken our hearts. He's he's, he's taken us with him. Um, and actually, I'm I'm with J.K. I I, mm. I, I was glad to see. I thought Conte should have flattened him after what he said to him at the end of the 4-0. Actually, I would, I would have been quite happy with that. And, you know, so I'm not saying don't, you know, I'm just tired of slagging off of Mourinho. But, you know, in, in terms of his attitude, you know, I tired of it some time ago. Now, on the outside, looking back, I can see the toxicity that he, he kind of takes with him. But I was glad to see that that reaction from Conte last mm-hmm. night because he was almost on behalf of, of, of me saying, oh, look, shut up. You know, you, you, you're your days are done now, mate. This is my ground now, and etc. So it was good to see him stand up and and give us good back. Because I, I I imagine under the under the very suave Dolce and Gabbana suit and the and the lovely weave, I think Conti's I bet he's an absolute you know swivel eyed lunatic when he pins you against the wall when he's angry with you. So mm. yeah. Well, that's it. the interesting thing, is Dan, isn't it? I mean, you know, Conte came. I mean, this is something that I we've never discussed on the show before, much to my shame, really, because we should have done by now. But I remember when we when we hired Conte, there was all this talk about the fact that he was an absolute ruthless. I mean, he was more of a disciplinarian and a hard ass than Mourinho. And yet, what we've seen publicly always is this quite quiet, measured, very humble. Yeah. Uh, guy, you know, some, and he, he quite often appears quite nervous in front of camera, completely the opposite of what we were led to believe. But I think Tony might have a point. He yeah. might be nails. I think, what do you think? Maybe the, the nervousness is down to not having the full command of the English language. And also what I think, also I think about him, which I think he, yeah, he, he made a point when they talked about the, the cost of situation a few weeks ago. If there's a problem, it's on the training ground. I don't think he's the type of player to throw his players under the under the bus in public, if he's got a problem, he'll keep on the training ground and that's the best way. And then they respect him. And he's not going to come out in public and say, you know, you're this, you're that. Um, I don't think you want to cross him. I think if you cross him, you know, you're in trouble. But you cross Mourinho, you're finished at the club. I think if you cross Conte and you make a manager, you're back you're back in the back in the game. I just think he's 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 a player's manager. He played the game to top level. He knows how top players work, and he yeah. he's worked with the top players. He's played at the top level. So you know, he knows, you know, the mentality of elite players and how to get the best out of them. You know, not not having a, a public slanging match with them. Mm. 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 Absolutely. I mean, basically, I, I think. Well, I mean, what I'm tempted to say, of course, is that if, if you do fall out with them, you might end up sleeping with the fishes. But that would be rude, and I would never ever. Yeah, say you beat me like to it. You Don beat me to it, Antonio Conte. Uh, anyway, it's well that. In, I know, I'm sorry, you know, it's, it's my job to steal the best gags and claim them for my own. Um, anyway, uh, after the break, I'll make sure that everybody gets to tell their own gag and I won't steal any of the credit. Uh, but after said break, we will be talking about United's uh, very obvious tactics, I think, from the get-go, and I think, therefore, by implication, Mourinho's tactics to try and kick Hazard out of the game. Uh, amazingly, uh, it all came unstuck thanks to uh, a quite a, a peculiar but nevertheless brave decision by the referee, Michael Oliver, to uh, to send the loathsome and uber-snide Herrera off. I was so delighted. I, I jumped up and hugged Darren Mantle when uh, 
I realised it was Herrera who got his marching orders. Um, other than that, um, it was way too stressful for me. I really hated the last 10 minutes. Uh, we should have been 4 or 5 nil up in my view, but poor finishing meant that we weren't. I thought Kante was unbelievable yet again, and uh, now we've got Spurs in the next round. So we'll be talking all about this in a minute. See you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you're listening to part two of the Chelsea Fancast. And I'm delighted. Uh, cracking start, actually. Really enjoyed that hey. first part. I've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd with me. And uh, the ever so lovely Dan Silver. And uh, the right Amen. reverend Tony Glover. Amen. Exactly. We will be having a prayer meeting after the... Uh, after the fan cast. Um, now, one thing I should say, because I was mentioning it earlier in my usual uh, very, ever so humble and not egotistical way at all, but I, I've just started doing uh, uh, the first of a weekly blog, I hope, for um, an outlet called Football.London. Uh, and as I said, you know, we were discussing uh, the whole Mourinho thing, and that, that's what I've written about this week. But uh, I think uh, uh, Bonnie Rig Blues asked me where, where he could find it. Well, they haven't published it yet, although they said it'd be up there by seven, so they're late. Uh, but anyway, on Twitter, you can follow them at Chelsea uh, underscore FL, okay? Uh, and they're kind of named, their Twitter name is Chelsea FC News, and it's football.london forward slash Chelsea hyphen FC is the website. So there you go. Have a look at that. Right, uh, now it's time to talk about the match and the actual the thing that we were all there for, not this bollocks about Mourinho. Good grief, no. We were there for the football. Um, you know, because for me, you know, a night match quarter final of the FA Cup against Man United, it doesn't, I was really excited and pumped up. And when you consider that I'd only had one pint because I was doing interviews with the BBC and stuff, I mean, my excitement was huge. I even got to the ground early. It was mental. But... The first thing I noticed uh, uh, was, um, actually, I thought that Mourinho had done quite a good uh, number on uh, on the United side, who, who have been, I mean, you know, interestingly enough, they haven't actually lost since we beat them 4-0, so they, they can't, can't be that bad. And my immediate uh, thought was, blimey, they actually looked like a Mourinho side. And what I mean by that was that they looked really disciplined, well-structured, uh, they they were playing what I would call risk averse football. You know, they had numbers behind the ball. They pressed, but they didn't try anything that would expose you know any gaps at the back. And I thought, oh blimey, that looks like a Mourinho side. But of course, the other thing that I noticed immediately was that every time that Eden Hazard got the ball in true typical horrible dirty Leeds style, uh, a different Man United player hacked him down, uh, leaving poor old Michael Oliver confused as to whom he should be booking. But uh, before we get into that, I'm going to ask uh, I'm going to ask J.K. first because Jonathan's old enough to have, have watched that horrible, dirty lead side. Um, but if you're Mourinho and you're playing, uh, you know, against us, and you know Eden has a well, and we talked about it on the show that you know you can kick him out of the game. He doesn't like it. Would you have used that as it's, a legitimate tactic? Tactic uh, is that tactic, right or is it, it wrong to do uh, that? 
it's not what we like to see because um, mm. if you're Leeds and you do it, we hate you for it, and we sing songs about how dreadful you are, and uh, yeah. um, and yet you win lots of trophies. Um, but I, I, I don't get the impression that that's what he does every week. He did it specifically. I mean, if you remember the uh, the Inter Milan side that came down to the bridge when we we'd lost two one at the at San Siro. Um, were were completely appallingly time wasting oh, yeah. and cynical and uh, dreadful and equally fouling. So he, it's a tactic that he he uses. He uses, you know, he cuts his suit according to his cloth. Every if the team aren't that great, he'll 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 play along those lines. And I think he was aware, obviously, that Hazard is is on supreme form and thought he would just take him out of the game. But uh, I, I, huge credit to. Uh, to Oliver, who I thought made a completely fantastic decision um, to get Smalling over to, to debate that fact that they were that they were individually um, taking it in turns to kick him. And what was he, he was fouled about ten times, and uh, five of them I think were. were uh, it, it, it goes to show how how every time he gets the ball, he's doing so well. I think five of them the referee played on, but there were I think ten fouls in the first before the sending off. Um, so he was obviously targeted, um, but I, 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 it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know Inter Milan won the won the the Champions League that year because they weren't a great side, but they were um, the, tactically he got them playing in in a, a very specific way, and they had some terrific. Eto was playing out of his skin for them, but uh, uh, they were equally cynical as as the lead side had been, um, uh, and I'm sure if we if we'd been watching them week in week out in uh, um, in the in the Italian league, we'd we'd have hated them in the same way we hate Leeds. It's a tactic. It's I think it's dreadful, but it it wins matches. And Mourinho Mourinho gets it. You know, he played six at the back, mm. um, and he he played. Uh, you know, he had Young and um, and Valencia, two wingers, playing in the fullback position. He played deliberately six at the back, and for the first twenty minutes, put us under a lot of pressure. It was uh, you know they they played to a plan, but the the part of the plan was to get to get at hazard and it's um and I, it was it was it got what it deserved actually well the other thing the other thing jonathan you yeah. know it, it has worked in the past so i think by that token you could say it's a legitimate tactic and i'll be really honest with you i mean i that there's a game that i can think of clearly when we had Mourinho in charge and we did use the dark arts, and that was most hilariously against Liverpool yes. when we beat them 2-0 to deny them the title. We loved it. And yeah. we all, yeah. to a man, loved it. We all, to a man, laughed our head off that we would take yes. 25 minutes to take a free kick. Remember remember Suarez going absolutely potty because the goalkeeper kept on taking half an hour to take? So I think it would be hugely hypocritical to sit here on our high moral horses and say, oh, that was really naughty and wrong. Um, having said all that, uh, Dan... Um, you know, it was it was. In, I mean, you know, I, I when when Herrera, I because I, I don't Snide. like Herrera. I do yeah. think he's a horrible, nasty, snide little player. You know, so I knew he was on a yellow, and when the minute he got his first yellow, I thought, you know what, I reckon he could go tonight, and that would be hilarious. And of course, I was standing next to Darren, so that you know, I, I was a bit more engaged, weirdly, in the game than I might normally be, oddly, but. Uh, as soon as he hit that foul, I didn't think it was a nasty foul, but I had a sense. I thought, I said, Darren, he's going to go, he's going to go, he's going to go. And then the referee set him off, and I, I celebrated like it was a goal. But was was it really a clear-cut second yellow, or was it more to do with the fact yeah. that he'd just kind of warned Phil Jones, the captain, 
and said, look, yeah. what more are you doing? I think You're it was, it was, it was a stupid reckless challenge because there had been one or two that Oliver had let go. And when he had a conversation with um, Smalling and Jones, he was like, no, no, no alternative. It was a, it was a yellow card offence when it was it deserved, you know, it was done. Yellow card, stupid tackle, he goes. Had, had he booked um, Phil Jones for an early tackle, I think he might have got away with it because it was a stupid side tackle. He should have had. It showed real lack of game game management and game sense. That you know the referee's gonna have his eyes open. It was a midfield tackle. Hazard was going nowhere. It must have absolutely frustrated Mourinho because he they went down to ten men. They bring on Fellaini and sit back behind the ball for the next hour, hoping they'll get one or two free kicks down Iron and try and loft it in Fellaini. They they really showed very very little after sending off, and I was, I was very disappointed in terms of their. Attacking outplay. We had one at that Rashford chance aside. They were really poor. Bear in mind they're one 0 down for for most of the second half. But it's 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 it's, it's football. It's, it's you know as you say, it would be very kind of hypocritical to, to complain about it because it's what we did for many a game. Set up, try and get a goal on the breakaway using Rashford's pace to exploit Cahill and Louise and try and nick a goal, which is exactly what it would have done. It's almost like it was a, a European away game for Mourinho, you know, after after nil nil first leg. Maybe you should try and nick a goal. Well, to be yeah, I mean, yeah, mate. I mean, to be honest, I thought I thought he was going to go. I thought it was going to be really quite tight and tense, and I thought he would be quite negative. But Tony, you know, should, should, you know, because the interesting thing is afterwards, as I realised, Michael Oliver got a fairly mixed, uh, a fairly mixed. Um, whoever's making that infernal racket, be quiet, Dan. Thank you, uh, Tony. Um, yeah, as I was saying, Michael Oliver got a bit of a mixed kind of review from that. But, I mean, I, I thought he did all right. I mean, I know he could have arguably sent off Rojo for that stamping on Hazard, which apparently, amazingly, he saw, and therefore there's no comeback on that. I thought Pogba could have gone because he was fouling for fun. I mean, I don't know whether to be grateful for the fact that he he stopped the nonsense on Hazard, which enabled Hazard to have a blinder, I thought. Or cross because he should have yeah, said more buggers off. Let's face it, it um, it's a thankless task probably having to ref games at that level. Um, and, and he's a, a reasonably young ref. I think he's when we've had him before. He's you know it's been fifty fifty. We I, I can't remember the last game we all sat there and said, "Want the referee good?" You know, it doesn't matter who it is these days. We tend to dig them out. Uh, I think I'm going to quote um, the the imperious um, Sir Francis of Lampard here. Who, um, who who noted that Herrera had probably gone because literally a minute before that, Jones and Smalling had both been told that it's stopping. Yeah. Clearly, you could see him saying, no more. I'm not having any more of this yeah. kind of rotational fouling or whatever you want to call it going on. Okay. Neither of those seemed to relay it back to Herrera. And at that point, even if the tackle wasn't a second yellow card, the referee is looking to book somebody. He's he's got it in his mind that somebody is going to get something for the next one they do on Hazard, and it happened to be Herrera, who is I agree a snidey little shit. Um, so I think Frank called it right, and you know let's face it, here's a man who's played football at the highest level, and as he said, you never really think about the referee is warning people and is probably going to pull the card on the next one to do it, irrespective of whether it's their first tackle or whatever. Yeah, now. Um, you know, that that should have been relayed probably back to the team or what, I don't know. But it was a tough game for him to ref. I think he, he if he did see it, the stamp on on Hazard, and, and he's let it go, that is shocking. And, and you know, 
there should be a precedent there because you know remember costa crimes we all remember that don't we yeah okay uh and and you know yeah, that was all over the place being played every 30 seconds on loop and bloody vines and christ knows what else this one last night was as deliberate as ming's on um or whatever his name is on um ibrahimovic okay easily as deliberate as that um and if you know if the, if the fa are going to sit there and say well actually do you know what um if the ref saw it irrespective of what our eyes can see we're not going to do anything about it there's something quite wrong there i'm not saying that you're going to re- retrospectively referee every single decision but there has to be exceptions um for, for that where the ref should have you know if he if he did see it, he could have said well actually i saw it it looks worse on that and it does look whatever um I was more interested in the fact that I noted it last night. Would Man United get done for surrounding the referee? They are getting done for that. Um, well, of course, we all know that was something that we did. I thought he did an OK job. It was a, a, a feisty, tempestuous affair. And it brought me in mind of um, a game uh, last season, I think, where we were basically kicked off the park. Um, I can't remember who it was we played. It was Spurs, wasn't it? Actually, it was Spurs, was it? At the 2-2 oh, yeah. at the bridge. You know, where... Uh, you had the infamous, you know, standing on Fabregas's hand and all sorts of shenanigans going on. And yet again, the referees, I guess they're probably torn between a rock and a hard place, Chidge, um, in the fact that, you know, they're probably tasked with letting these big games go because Sky pay a lot of money and it's their Hollywood games or and the BBC or whoever is, is screening it. And, and then between the fact that, you know, we've all seen sendings off or disciplines that have absolutely ruined games from that point onwards. So balancing the spectacle, I thought he did okay. I thought he did okay, considering the pressure. Mm. Well, you know what? I tell you what. At least, yeah. at least he didn't try and even it up, which is quite often what referees do. Um, and I was very pleased to hear that. Anyway, look, moving on. I mean, talking of Mourinho and his cynical tactics and everything, um, I thought it was really quite interesting that uh, ultimately what happened for us was actually a very Mourinho-like performance by Chelsea. I thought we were. Very resolute, disciplined, and certainly very solid at the back. Um, the couple of things, though, I noticed. I mean, you know, that whole one-nil thing. I was and I was in bits, you know, towards the end. I just wanted the whistle to go because I, at one-nil, and and missing all of those flaming chances that we had. I, you just kind of thought, you know, they're going to nick one here. I can just see them doing it, and I thought our finishing had been absolutely awful. That the game should have been put to bed well before that. And then there was this other thing that I heard. I thought apparently United played really well and had the better of the first half. Now I have to say I don't, I don't buy that. I felt that we were totally in control, they, but I was very nervous that we might we um, might go one nil down. I think, JK, I think they were they were parked in uh, in our half for the first fifteen minutes, Chidge, um, they, they, and we couldn't really get the ball. They were they were very energized, um, but I, I always think in those occasions that you can't sustain that. And it always seems to be there's a kind of the adrenaline flows and uh, um, and one team seems to go for it. And we're very good. I think whether this is something that he he uh, tells them to just sit back and deal with it. We're very good at, at just getting into our own rhythm and then completely dominating the game. And we completely, after the sending off, we, I thought we were fabulous. I thought it was a completely fabulous performance. My 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 complaint... Is that when it, whenever he brings all the defenders on for the last five minutes, that's when it becomes, um, uh, you know, high behind the sofa time, because um, it, 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 we we then sit back and just let them come on onto us, 
And, uh, and we're, it seems to me that when we go forward and we've got all the proper players on the pitch, we keep the ball so brilliantly that uh, I don't know why he doesn't maintain that tactic. So it always seems to me he always brings all the subs on and one of them is going to be a defender. So it'll be Zuma or it'll be a, a Chaloba or whoever um, and sits back. Um, but I, I still thought, other than that, the last five minutes and the first 15 minutes, to answer your question, I, I, I think we were under pressure. But I didn't think, I didn't think at the beginning we were going to concede, actually. Um, because we, we, it's a, the one thing I, I, I was so impressed. I wasn't actually um, scared at all of, of, of losing the goal because I just thought we, it is a, such an excellent side now. It really does just... It, 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 we just control the situation so well, other than Louise's moments of its slight insanity of, um, of doing up to his old tricks of trying to anticipate uh, um, getting the ball in front of the player, which led to, to the Rashford uh, one chance that they had, which uh, I thought that uh, Courtois was magnificent for that. Um, but uh, I think a, a slightly more experienced striker would have lofted the ball over the top of him and scored. And then we'd have been in a you know, a one-one situation and possibly penalties. But um, and I think getting back to what you said about uh, not taking the chances, it's because um, you know I've said this before. He he has about three players on him all the time, Costa. But when he does get into situations to score, he's not quite as sharp as he was five games ago when he was scoring for fun. Because um, he missed that one. Yeah, Costa when it was just put straight across, oh, straight across in front of him, and he he missed it. Mm. Um, what from the was it Williams cross, fantastic cross, and the the other one was and it's that lovely thing you get. I don't know if any other guys you get this or anybody on on Mixler when, when you're watching the the game, you you're you're somehow in line with the forward and you whoever the player is, and you see them create the chance, and you're absolutely at the right angle, and you go now now pull the trigger now that's it you've got there's the goal goalkeeper's over there hit it now and they take another touch and they just out just they move it away just for a second and you go oh, i agree god god yeah. I, I wonder how many of all of us you know can you just see that moment there's the moment oh you've lost it oh shit yeah but it, it was, he did that before you saw the moment bap it was in the net now he's just taking an extra touch and you don't know why well, I, 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 do you know what? I, I wonder if he was fit. I mean, I, I have to be honest. I, I was really quite angry with him. I thought, I thought what we saw there was was bad. I, we saw actually. I thought the Costa that we saw last season. Yeah, there was season, a bit of that. Yeah, you know, you know, he wasn't running back to get back on side. Yeah, was, yeah. He was trapping it farther than I could kick it. He was get. He was playing the man rather than the ball. You know, the fault, the <laughs> dive, the dive to try and win that penalty yeah, no, was right. just embarrassing. You know, and then, then, then try, and then pretending he'd been killed when Rojo, you know, uh, tweaked his fingernail, and I was seething because we needed him to be up for it and scoring a bloody goal, not fanning around like Costa of last season. And Dan, I wondered what was up for him. In fact, I, do you know what? I turned around to Darren at one stage and said, "He doesn't yeah, look one, fit." Was having an injury. I mean, he, he and Rojo had a running battle the whole the whole match, and they were at each other from from minute one. Um, I think the other tactic wasn't really I said, you know, let's wind up Costa because if he reacts, he'll get sent off. But he did he did manage to keep relatively calm to his credit. But he, he looks a little off the pace. Maybe he's got a slight niggle. And it was too important a match for him not to play. And he was only sort of yards away from that second goal. But overall, his last 
he hasn't been on top for the last four or five games, I think, since probably put the cup, the uh, one of the cup games. But that, that's what we get with Costa. He's, he's he's like that. He goes through those phases of, you know, absolute brilliance, then frustrating the fucking life out of you. But I think what Conte has done with him is channel some of that anger, and he doesn't react because when Rojo, well, pushed him over, you know, whatever it was, he looked at the referee, he looked at Rojo, and then sort of carried on. He didn't, he didn't react. So I thought. He made a run towards Rojo to tackle. I thought, oh, he's going to do something stupid, but he didn't. So he's, they, they, Conte has got, you know, slightly controlled his really aggressive side. But he, he had a poor game. But listen, it's, it's a one nil win. We're through. It was a cup game. It was never going to be easy. We've, we've done what we had to do. Mm, that's interesting stuff. I mean, Tony, um, you know, in a sense, you know, look... Uh... To be really honest about it, Costa can play like a complete prat for 89 minutes, and if he bangs a goal in in the 90th, he's done his job as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not, I don't get too precious about that because if you're a striker, it's all about banging the ball in the net, and it doesn't really matter how. But I, 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 I also thought that Moses had a bit of a stinker last night, which kind of worried me more because, you know, ultimately, you know, Moses and Alonso have been very integral to the entire turnaround in our form since that Arsenal game. And I thought he was—he didn't really look at the races last night. Then, of course, he no, got an injury and went off, which I hope isn't too serious. But in a sense, I was more yeah, worried by that um, than Costa. And I agree. Uh, that, do you remember um, Didier Deschamps uh, when he played for us? He'd been described by um, Cantona, I think, as the water carrier. You know, this kind of um, invisible role, yeah. but vital role in the background. That, yeah, where you just get on with stuff. And, you know, Moses probably could have scored more goals and could probably light things up a bit more. But he's a very effective wing-back Um uh, he's probably a little bit less in the in the in the in the limelight than than the Lonzo, um, but yeah, he didn't have a good game, and and maybe there was a case last night for you know some some rotation, but I guess Conte is probably erring on the side of caution. I mean, we've got a a, a tough game this weekend away to Stoke. Um, and we know that's going to be physical. We just know that is going to be incredibly physical. Um, so I hope Moses isn't too in, too badly injured. I'm with you on the Costa thing. I, th- I, I, I want to, you know, we just we were talking about that. The last couple of games I've watched him, um, he has made a lot of what I call unforced errors. You know, lost the ball, fallen asleep when he's, you know, instead of passing it, there was a certainly um, the game I think against Arsenal the other week where I think Costa had a couple of chances to play others in for tap-ins and he didn't um and and uh, we put that down to i think the fact he was trying too hard or maybe after all of the the, the rumors about china but just lately though if you watched it back on the telly last night um and, and i appreciate you get a different angle um and, and there's sort of swings and roundabouts but there were quite a few unforced errors there was a, a, a at least one occasion in the box where his first touch instead of a snapshot his first touch was so poor he just gave it away and he looked bemused that a United player had kind of run away with the ball as if he didn't quite understand how it happened. So uh, I'm, I would question whether he's fit, um, but, you know, only physically fit, but whether he, he really wants to be out there in, in the heat of the battle these days. I don't know. It was interesting as well. Last night, after the match on the TV, you could see Conti went to all the players as he does. Now, I they, they, he may have been off camera when he went to Costa, but he walked past Costa to go to Hazard and then embrace Hazard and then Hazard sort of embraced Costa as, as Conte walked away. I wonder whether, 
you know, whether there's something in the background and he's possibly going through the mo through the motions a bit. I don't want to start slagging, well, but I mean, a lot you know, of people are, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm certainly not the only one that seems to well, no, have no, noticed no, 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 a, no, a no. kind of drop off from where he was. Well, a, a lot of mate, a lot of a lot of people are. I mean, I've been denying this, and a lot of people on the show recently have been saying, "Oh, well, you know, he hasn't been the same since the China rumours, and he's got one eye on what's going on there." And I've said, no, 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 no. But, I mean, you know, one does begin to wonder. I'm glad you mentioned Hazard again, because, Jonathan, I thought Hazard and, uh, oh. and Kante were, were... I thought Hazard was superb. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you want your big players to turn up in the big matches, and Hazard certainly did that. But I think we've already oh, touched on him a little bit. Brilliant. Kante, again. I, I, you know, what, what more can you say goal. about this guy? Oh, brilliant. Oh, it's, it was yeah. joyous watching. And can I just say, also, the... There were moments when there were great roars from the crowd that were just thrilling beyond belief. I just loved it so much. I mean, it was you've got to give it to the United fans as well. They never stopped singing. I mean, slightly mad. They even, you know, you, I, I'm, you I know, always I give mean, it yeah, to United yeah, fans. I mean, you don't really mean like that. Do you? They do. You know, they've got all these bloody anthems. And once again, it does prove how, you know, sparse some of the. The, the songs that we've got that we did do one like we did the hey jude one last night and i was really pleased with it because it's such rousing stuff you know when we get when we unveil all the songs that we can do it the, the ground is just it's a brilliant environment and i look it's such a a great experience and there are moments there where you just you know the hairs rise up on the back of your neck so wonderful but also it's it's aided the whole the whole thing is aided by having two completely world-class players last night in in hazard and kante who were, were streets ahead of anybody else on the pitch it was uh, i mean obviously for their positions but it was absolutely fabulous pogba in comparison with kante is just a sort of large stick insect i mean for goodness sake what what on earth you know 89 million pounds for him what must kante be worth at the moment phenomenal absolutely brilliant well, I mean, he's so much... I mean, just on that evidence alone, but I think we've known this for a while, if you, if you could pay 90 million for Pogba and 30 million for Kante, I mean, what a deal we've, we've managed to, to get there, Dan. And he, he, he looked 20 yeah, he times was, the player. Yeah, he was just an unbelievable player. I mean, just, it's, he ran out of superlatives for him. He was, he was everywhere. He tackles, he passes. He, he just has that sixth sense of where the ball's going to be every single time. He, he's, he's an absolute joy for 32 million. Absolute bargain, absolute bargain. You know, in, in, I can't believe we got rid of him. You know, got Leicester got rid of him for such little money. Here's he, he the key to why the season's been so well because everybody around him knows that he's going to cover their back, so he can play this formation with you know Kante doing his job. I'm pleased people are finally calling him Kante, not Conte, which really used to wind me up when they call him Conte. But no, I, I love him. I mean, he, he, I think he's better than Makaleli. He's um. Awesome player. I did see a funny tweet last night. It said if um, Makaleli and Essien got together and had a baby, it would be Kante. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, can I just say quickly? Just <laughs> well, say there quickly, you go. I'll tell you what, mate, you know me. Kante is because it, the French is, is Kante. That's how you pronounce it. Oh, right. So, so it's, it's, it's complicated. This is, okay. this is true. A-N in French is on. Is on. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Why don't you just call him Chat and be done with it? Um, that's French, by the way. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. yeah, Tony speaks French. I got he got, it he too. got what I'm I got it. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we've got it. We've got a song. I, I came up with it. Well, well done, J.K. I, we've got. I, I came up with a song finally for Canto. I know Dan Lundberg uh, put something on Twitter and, and WhatsApp me earlier on, but 
I, I, I did this off the, off, off the spur of the moment with Darren Mantle, um, who was okay. He kind of liked it. He kind of liked it. But it's basically, Angolo Cante, Angolo Cante, you make me happy. When skies are grey, you never noticed how much you love me until you've taken my Cante away. And I just thought it fits. I know that's a, it's an old traditional Chelsea song, but it fits so well. So yeah, why can't I agree. Bastardise that one and be done with it because he needs a song, yeah, man. He does. He needs a yeah, song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a working Damn progress, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Praise indeed. Yeah. Well, right, I've just changed the schedule. You know, you were on next week. Well, no, I'm only joking. And look, very, 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 very quickly, we we really need to just uh, tee up the old uh, uh, the old Spurs uh, fixture. Um couple of things really um well there's three things actually let's see if we can do them quite quickly i mean first of all who do we really want in the semi-final do we want spurs dan did we want arsenal or did we want City? i think a massive cliche i think they'll all be tough games i think uh a spurs without harry kane which is very mm. possible probably my preference because he's, he's a huge influence for them and no harry kane and nowhere near the team they were um plus i don't like playing at wembley plus we always seem to beat spurs at wembley i think we're looking at a Chip. No, one, one. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, not all the time. Uh, 2008, uh, 1967. Most of the time. No, those didn't happen. I wasn't born for one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, not for 2008, anyway. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I fancy a chance against True. all three, to be honest. I think the way we're playing, the way Contest got us drilled. Um, my prediction is a Chelsea City final. So I, th- I think City will do just kill us. Mm. Okay, I mean, I, I, I'd quite like Spurs in the final because I just like the idea of exacting revenge on them at any available opportunity. Of course, you know, a semi-final against Spurs, Tony, evokes memories of the wonderful forgotten 2012. Forgotten because, of course, we, we were more focused on the Champions League and winning the European Cup. But, of course, we did Spurs 5-1 in the semi-final that year in one of the most hilarious games yes. I've ever been was that, privileged was that not to long witness. after they beaten us in the league or something i think and it was a kind of a kind of normal service had been resumed thing i can't remember um you know i am i i i you know i i burn to play arsenal in the final if we get there because i don't think i've ever forgiven or forgotten um i can't remember what year was it now when ranieri got us there and, and we were in the dreaded wrong dressing room or whatever the millennium one or whatever oh, yeah the millennium uh, and, yeah, and my wife had invited the, yeah. the entire family and all her friends around and i just you know i was so exposed um at how upset i was that i said to her that's the last time you ever bring a crowd around here on cup final day if we're going to lose i'm going to do it on my own <laughs> where i can kick the living crap out of anything around me um <laughs> but uh yeah i i <sighs> It's a it's a tough call. I would, I, I think you know for the for the neutrals you you you'd probably want something like like a, a City Chelsea final, wouldn't you? Really, um, North versus South, um, and then you know presumably a repeat for the uh, for the Community Shield. Um, beating Tottenham is always good, but um, Lineker and Frank Lampard again made the point last night that the team that have probably caused us the most trouble this season have been Tottenham. Um, you know. Um, but Harry Kane yeah. will be a huge miss. I don't know if the news on him has been confirmed, whether he's out for a while, but uh, it didn't look good and Pochettino yet, didn't look think, happy about no. it. And, and, you know, let's face it, we, we wouldn't have been happy if it had been one of ours. So, but you, you, uh. 
You say that, you say all that. And I mean, I agree to a certain extent. I think, I think you know, out of all of the four teams, well, the other three teams, Tottenham are the ones that have clearly given us most problems this year. But what I would say is that actually I thought that in both the games, uh, you know, when we won at the bridge and they won at the lane, Harry Kane didn't really have any significant part in that at all. It was Deli Alley who screwed us in the at, at the lane. So, I mean, I think the fact that he's not going to be playing for them, in spite of the fact that he's in a very rich uh, vein of form at the moment, I, I, I don't think that's going to be that much of an issue. Um, but certainly, you know, JK, they do worry me more than the other two. But uh, I, and I would have preferred them in a final, to be honest. On that point, mate, um, it's interesting, isn't it? And nobody seems to have mentioned this. But I mean, I know that that, that their form at Wembley has been shocking in the in the Champions League this year. And of course, we've had a really good track record at Wembley. But I, I, nobody's mentioned this issue of the fact that, you know, effectively, it's almost quasi, a quasi home ground for them. And it, and it for me it rears that ugly issue about the semi-finals being played at Wembley, and I think this becomes an even into sharper focus, Jonathan, when you've got a team. And I mean, it could be us in a few years' time that's playing every game at Wembley. No, I, I, there's something really yeah, wrong agree, about I that. I think. I think, however, the think? fact that they seem to play so dreadfully at Wembley is probably a good thing for us, don't you think? If we play them, they he doesn't. But uh, no, I, I. Well, let's hope so. But in the end, the FA are just after making the money, aren't they? The FA just want the uh, the percentage that they get. So um, it's going to happen. We're going to play there for how many seasons? Three seasons, probably. Probably. Yeah. Well, at An least advantage. That. I mean, does yeah. that not give us? I mean, you could. I mean, if if we if we didn't know what we if we didn't know what we know about Tottenham at Wembley. It, it would be very easy to say, well, that's unfair. They get a distinct advantage by doing that. And I mean, you know, the same thing could well be levelled at us in a few years' time, Dan. I mean, do you think, do you think that's mean, true? Is there an advantage there? For well, they've only had three games there this season, the Champions League. It may be more, you know, prevalent next year when they move to Wembley, but I, I don't think mm. so. I mean, it's it's just probably more of a... It's, the, it's new surroundings. They need, they need to get used to it. It's like when you know, Arsenal the... moved into the Emirates and so on. You just need to get new, used to surroundings. And, uh, you know, as an, as an away team, so to speak, for both defence, it's just how you perform on the day. I think, you know, Spurs yeah. are struggle to adapt. It's two lots of fans as well, isn't it? It's not like as if when they when they played on their own there, they were uh, they had the majority yeah. of the fans there. Well, this is going to be 50-50, isn't it, as well? Yeah, so. yeah true enough. Well, at least they'll know the way, which is not what we've been able to say in the recent past. Anyway, look, we've got to go for a very quick break. Uh, but before we do, just a very minor plug uh, for the Kerry Dixon show, which, of course, I record each week with the wonderful, lovely Kerry Dixon. Uh, it's available on Thursday afternoon, so make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes and SoundCloud, or SoundCloud, as I like to call it. And the next show will be out this Thursday afternoon, and I'll be looking back uh, at the Man United game, of course, with Kerry, and looking forward to the Stoke game on Sunday. Now, after this very quick break, uh, we've got a monster selection of emails from you, plus some news on the Chelsea Supporters Trust Jack Whitley crowdfunding campaign. We'll see you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. 
the thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, had a lot of fun tonight. Been a good one. Enjoying it thoroughly. Uh, we've got the lovely Tony Glover. Good with evening. A pleasure having good Tony. Good to be here. So. Always good to be here. Always nice to see you, mate. Yeah, and uh, my my buddy, my trust hello. buddy, Mr. Dan Silver. Hello. Dan! Ah, hello! Dan! <laughs> Dan! Never, never, ever. No. That joke never gets old, does it, mate? Mate, lovely to, ha- lovely to have you in the show. Now, last by no means least, uh, my aide de camp, uh, which hello. in English means my very camp assistant. Uh, lovely to be on uh, the show. The wonderful Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> You do love it, don't you, Matron? Um, all right, mate, listen, we've got, I mean, you know, for, for people who say I try and marginalise Jonathan Kidd on the show and how terrible I am, well, you're about to eat your words because we've basically got two parts of email, two whole show parts with emails in. And it's astonishing. They're all so good. They have to be done. So I'm going to hand you over you. to Jonathan from, um, to start uh, the ball rolling. Is, is, does he pronounce his name? Is it Lash or Lars? Lash. 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 Lash Lindquist. Lash. Lash Lindquist. On the Lash. Okay. Hello. The lash. If I could be honest, I meant to write this email last week, but I was too hungover from celebrating my girlfriend's 21st birthday. 21st birthday. And my, my flight was in late. So that made Chidge's chastisement of all the fancast listeners for not writing emails last week stick with me even more. And it pushed me to write to you this week. Before I begin with the main subject of my email, I must first give due praise to Conte for the complete turnaround of this season. He's turned our season around completely, may lead us to a title, respectfully phased out key players like JT, brought in youth players and established a style of football in which we regularly score multiple goals but still remain defensively strong, all while carrying himself in such a fantastic way and avoiding the whining and sourness 
of other managers. I can seldom remember a manager in my time of watching Chelsea that has done so much with such an admirable demeanour. But on to what I'm emailing you about. In truth, I've wanted to write this email ever since Branner left, as I realised that his departure was something of a milestone for me as a Chelsea fan. With him leaving and JT presumably playing his last season for us, I realised that I can now remember when we signed every member of our first team. This made me reflect back on the seven years I've been watching Chelsea, ever since that wonderful double-winning season under Ancelotti. If you'll indulge me and my tendency to be wordy, I'd like to share my thoughts with all of you and your listeners. I've noticed that many American fans write in and talk about how they became Chelsea fans or the, the one experience that made them hook. But for me, I find that I can't put it down to one experience. When I think about what Chelsea means to me, it's less a clear image and more like an impressionistic painting, a collection of fond and faint memories that all blend together to create a strong bond of identity and a feeling of closeness with the club and all those who support it. If I may, I'd like to try to capture that for you. To me, Chelsea means the excitement I felt of being a high school kid, proudly wearing my John Terry kit almost every day, to the point where the kit began to smell. Not my proudest moment. Chelsea means meeting one of my best friends at college and bonding over the fact that we both were wearing soccer kits. He's a Liverpool fan. More on him later. Chelsea means waking up hungover as hell at 6.30 to watch the team, only to have us lose 5-3 to Arsenal at the bridge. I don't believe I've ever sunk more face-first into a couch than losing a game when Andre Santos scored against us. Chelsea means the bump on my head from when I jumped up and hit it on the dorm bed after Branner scored against Napoli. Chelsea is the pain in my dad's back after I jumped on him when Drogba put away that famous penalty during that magical night in Munich. It's the glee I felt making fun of my best friend, the Liverpool fan, after the Gerrard slip and the subsequent loss to Palace. Chelsea has become less about the score or the player on the pitch and more about what it's brought to my life. It's brought me closer to my dad, who, like me, has become a true Chelsea fan and could be personified in the texts and calls we share after every game. It's become a part of my ident identity. It was a prerequisite for any girl to accept before dating me and something my girlfriend has, to her credit, accepted even if it means being woken up by the alarm the morning after her 21st birthday, 21st birthday, so I could watch the Swansea game. Chelsea and the love for the beautiful game that comes with it has taken me to numerous wonderful opportunities, from watching the Euros at the Brandenburg Gate this summer to appearing on my second favourite Chelsea podcast, London is Blue, in pre-season. Shout out to them. Most memorably, this love for all things blue has taken me to the experience of seeing the team play against AC Milan this summer in my hometown of Minneapolis, where I saw my heroes play, met Aspi, and saw the debut of a club legend in the making, N'Golo Kante, something I can even hold over some of you season ticket holders. I'll never forget that day, nor the fact that our supporter section got in trouble for our constant standing and singing, something which the stuck-up event runners disagreed with. I'd like to think that by continuing with it, despite threats of being kicked out, we would have made you English fans proud. Lastly, my love for Chelsea is the flicker of excitement that comes with the dream of one day making it to a game 
at the bridge. The truth is, when someone asks me why I love this club, no one memory comes to mind, but rather the feeling that all of these events have combined to produce. Over these past seven years, I've realised that the love for a team is much more than about winning or losing, but the people you share this love with and memories that are created around it. However, I don't want to spend all of this time talking about me. What are some of your best memories of Chelsea? What memories, feelings or people stick out to you when you think of the Blues? I'm sure seasoned veterans like you must have many to pick from. But if right now you could pick one memory from one memory that is particularly fond, what would it be? Thanks for the time you took to read my overly long email. I apologize for writing so much. I guess I just got caught up with the memories. I can't wait to create many, many more memories surrounding our beloved Chelsea throughout the rest of my life. Up the Chelsea. Best. Lars Lindqvist. Oh, I can't get it right. Lars Lindqvist. Lindqvist. Chidge, help me. Lars Lindqvist. 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 Great mail. I know, I Honestly, can't, all uh, that BBC know, training, you can't you even horrible. do your bloody Sorry, pronunciation. Much. Fantastic. What, what, what an email. What an email. It's true. It's, it's absolutely it was like a love letter, what wasn't it? What an email. It was. It was completely. It was. I felt, I felt like, oh, brilliant, brilliant passion. I just love yeah. the passion, guys. You know? Isn't it lovely? Isn't it lovely to... Uh, um, Oh, actually, interestingly enough, you missed a bit. At the end says, "Oh, I'll talk, get to that in a minute." But isn't it lovely? To, this is a young kid, you know, from the states who's who's only found Chelsea. I mean, but you you, you just hear that passion coming through. He gets it, mate. Now, listen. For the first thing is the bit he missed off was P.S. Chidge, oh, yes, impression of Brandon yeah, yeah, from the yeah, London yeah. Blue Pod, yeah. who was a fellow Minnesotan, needs work. Yeah, well, do you know what, mate? Because you probably don't know this, but that actually went down very well with them, bless their hearts. They did think that what you and I did was very, very funny. And they actually, you don't know this either, but I think they asked that my permission. I don't know whether they did it, actually, but they asked my permission to lift that bit out of the show so they could run it on their show <laughs> and actually show the Yanks what, what we were we were doing. So I thought that was quite funny. And incidentally, I'm going to be on the London is Blue pod uh, on Sunday, I believe, although I haven't confirmed this with Dan and uh, <laughs> Nick Mullaney and uh, Brandon Busby. Uh, but uh, I will be on their show on Sunday. So if they're listening to this show, then they'll know that I'll be on their show. Uh, okay, well, the largest, largest question was, um, what's what was, our, the, what was um, our favourite uh, what, Jonathan? What memories, feelings or people stick out to you when you think of the blues? My, oh, my, I'll tell you what, what, one particular memory wow, I had. So many, is After there? we'd um, won the cup in 97, um, was the, the, the start of the bus with the cup being paraded round um, uh, started then just outside. It went, it went past Hammersmith. It went past Fulham Broadway, which it doesn't do anymore. Um, and I happened to uh, be right next to it, took a few pictures of the of them with the cup. And I was so overcome with emotion because it was the first trophy we'd won since 1971 that I had to go and hide behind a hedge to cry. And um, and it was uh, it was um, it was so emotional. It was such, it just absolutely welled up in me. And it's something I always remember because I was I was part of me was going, come on, be a man, come on. And I was just had to go and sob behind this this hedge. And and I got shouted at by somebody who suggested I move away from their hedge because I was in their garden. But um, 
that's my yeah, that's one of my 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 favourite memories of supporting the Blues. Yeah. I mean, my mine's kind of not not an obvious mm. one because they're all fantastic. But I'm going to full members cut with my dad um, when he won five four. That's my first visit to Wembley, and that was just a, an amazing day because it was um, first visit to Wembley. It was us winning a trophy, albeit a minor one. It was just I just remember the whole day so vividly. And I remember distinctly when um, City made it 5-2, there was a chorus of what's it like to score a goal, which I thought was just, a fu- at the time, the funniest thing I'd ever heard. So that that was an, a very early memory, but we've been blessed by so many more in, in recent years. But that's just a, a, kind of a personal, a personal highlight for me. 1970 FA Cup final quickly. replay. Me out in the kitchen getting two biscuits out of the tin which was a, a a kind of gift of solace because we were convinced we we're going to lose my dad suddenly screaming out loud um and coming in and finding him basically on the ceiling because osgood had scored um i think that night was the point where i realized that you know in truth i absolutely detest watching chelsea live on tv because i feel so bloody helpless and you're not part of it, are you? Really, you're 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 outside looking in. Um, and since that game, I've always been a very very nervous watcher on TV. But that but that night, you know, the cup, the cup probably to a ten year old, nine year old kid meant more than the league. You know, the the, the cup had the glamour. Yeah, that one. Mm, okay. This right. Next Matt email, Bird, JK. Chidge Jonathan and the gang. First question. While I'm still over the moon, excited for another three points against the team I thought could pose problems, I'm beginning to get a little bit worried about the lack of clean sheets. Maybe we were spoilt during our 13-game winning streak in which we collected 10 clean sheets. And maybe I started to get ahead of myself when we got two more clean sheets at Leicester and home to Hull. But in our last five games, we've given back five goals. Yes, I realised two were in stoppage time when the game was pretty much settled, but two of those games led to draws and four drop points. Do you guys think I'm being picky or overly worried, or is this something that could be a sign of a lack of focus and something that needs to be addressed? The lock-up shop attitude that Chelsea had at the end of 2016 felt like a warm security blanket after scoring a goal. I just don't want to see us leak any more points and give City or Spurs any hope of challenging for the title. Second question. Have negotiations begun to have Jonathan star in the Gazprom post-season video? Oh, should our beloved Blues win the title? It was probably one of the top five moments of the 2014-15 season, seeing our own Jonathan all over social media extolling our boys' title-winning performance in his regular voice. Um, <laughs> wait, so this is what I said. You've got, 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 got what I said here. I, I said we were brilliant, resilient, and of course... Razor sharp, Jonathan, performer. Keep the blue flag flying high. I have to tell you, Matt, they told me to say that line. I'm sorry. I didn't make that one up. I think they told me to say that one. I think they gave me some buzz, buzzwords. You told you told they, me that. Right, you can did. you fessed they, up they just, about they, that. They to gave me, you I remember. some buzz lines to say, even though I didn't yeah. I improvised it all, but they all I made it all up. But they kept saying, Can you say something about how brilliant they are and how resilient? And we need to get this razor sharp thing in. And of course, razor sharp. I'd say it like that. Um, if they make another Gazprom one, I, I'll uh, I'll try and get involved. But um, I was actually only involved in that. Would you believe, Mac? Because uh, somebody phoned me up and asked me would I like to write the script for it. 
because they'd seen me writing something else that I'd, I'd done on the internet and knew that I liked football. They'd seen a few of my blogs, I think it was, when I, uh, my blogs I did um, a few years ago. I'm afraid... They had nothing not. to do with being on they the didn't fan even cast, know about it. They didn't know about the fan cast. They didn't. Liar. 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 Yeah. Well, it was all down you know, to you, Chich. They're all alone yes, of hot air. That was funny. That was a oh, very funny clever, joke. Clever. Gazprom, they're all over hot air. Surely. No, yeah, you're right. You said it. For God's yeah. sake. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. you know. Okay, there are a lot of old fart. That's not, doesn't really have the same ring about it, does it? Right, somebody, I, Dan or Tony, I don't mind which, can you just answer Max's question about um, is he being picky or not? And please, quickly, because we've got four no, huge emails to read. Out well, no, because we're winning games. Already. And I'll take Yeah. Great answer. <laughs> That, that almost rivals Clayton last week. It was I don't know why he was quite pissy. No. We asked him a question, no. didn't we, Jonathan? He just went, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was just brilliant. I mean, he did oh, have more to say he, than that. He said quick. So. such a long pause afterwards. We, we just thought... <laughs> well, man, yeah. no, that, you see, I've ruined it by waffling on now, but that was perfect. This is Jonathan, from Richard next, next email. Uh, hello, boys. I've been a Chelsea Fancast podcast listener since the days of Chell Tell. Et al. And enjoy the show immensely. Each week when you read out the emails, I often think I must contribute, but never quite get round to it for one reason or another. Often starting a missive, but never quite completing it. Well, enough is enough. And here I am. I think the final spur was the excellent letter last week from a Chelsea fan that had clearly been around as long as JK and I have. Oh, yes, indeed. My history with the club goes back to the 1965-66 season and Doherty's Diamonds, when due to a family connection, I virtually had access to all areas of the bridge. In those days, you could literally walk into the ground and wander onto the pitch unchallenged on non-match days. Quite unbelievable by today's standards, but totally true. I remember Jonathan's dad, Orlando, as we referred to him at the time. That was a character my dad played on television. Being around the place, plus a host of other celebrity fans. My mum met Dickie Attenborough on one occasion. And as she used to recall, she saw him nearly tear the arse out of his trousers when stepping over the fence around the old dog track. The chat last week reminded me of the replay against Preston North End when the floodlights failed. I too attended that game and also the nil-nil draw prior to it at Preston when Chelsea fans went on a vandal spree in my hometown. Unfortunately, unlike Jonathan, I didn't skip school for the daytime replay as my school was up north. I however recall someone coming up to me on my way home that afternoon to tell me the score. Apparently, I used to turn a whiter shade of pale when waiting for a Chelsea result to be announced in the days when you had to wait for it on the radio. JK mentioned some weeks ago, when asked when he felt the worst after a Chelsea result, he said it was after the 1966 FA Cup semi-final reverse against Sheffield Wednesday. Spookily, that was my worst moment too, after which I also got a bollocking from my junior football manager for not turning, turning up that Saturday and not letting him know that I was going to Villa Park instead. Karma, perhaps. Moscow was also a low point for me, after which I took a self-imposed ban on all sports media for about a month. Incidentally, my son has never seen a recording of JT's penalty miss to this day. A few more memories to share with you and what perhaps this section of the show will be renamed as the old fart spot. I was at Blackpool the night I was at Blackpool the night when Ozzy broke his leg. <laughs> Wembley in 67 for the Spurs defeat, me too. 
and at Old Trafford in 70, seated at the back of the Stretford end. Yes, there was a seating section, after which I saw a Chelsea pensioner sitting near me, crying tears of joy at the result. I could probably ramble on for pages and pages, but may risk becoming like an old soldier retelling his war stories, so I'll leave it there. During the bad times at Chelsea, and there have been many in my time, me too, I've often wished that results didn't matter and I could be like those people that say they don't understand football supporters. But to be honest, my life has been massively enriched by following the enigmatic phenomena that is Chelsea FC. I now console myself that supporting the post-Roman Chelsea is my just reward for enduring those bad times and long may it last. Keep up the good work, boys. Kind regards, Richard Lancaster. Fabulous end paragraph. A lovely, lovely letter, but uh, email. But that is absolutely right. My life has been massively enriched by following the enigmatic phenomena that is Chelsea FC. And I now console myself supporting post-Roman Chelsea as my just reward for enduring those bad times and long may it last. Yes, it is a reward for the pain. I absolutely agree with you, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Lovely. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely. lovely My feelings lovely, exactly lovely, as well, that last it? paragraph, yeah, yeah without yeah. doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and some lovely old anecdote. I mean, you see, the thing is, you know, and I, you know, I don't know when I, I had this weird random thought the other, in my head the other day, actually, about this, but I, I would love nothing more than to sit in a pub all day and listen to people like Richard, uh, to you, Jonathan, you know, to many of my friends who, who have been following... I mean, some I know people who've been following them for as old as I am, you know, and all that knowledge and history and richness and narrative that they have. I, I could sit in a pub and just listen to these people talk about their experiences at Chelsea all day. It would give me huge pleasure just to sit there and do that one day. Um, anyway, come on, Jonathan, we've got to move on. So we've got, got next email. But thank you for that, Steve Richard. Villani, I was touched by that email. That uh, Jonathan, off you, you go. That's Villani. Villani, maybe. Villani. Dear Chidge yeah. and the boys and Alex. Sweet. This is my first email to you. I've listened to every episode of your fan cast for several years. I almost know the lyrics to Strolling by heart. I live at... <laughs> Strolling! I live Sorry. <laughs> I know. It's I know. an automatic reaction, J.K. I can't um, help it. But, 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 no, but, no, no, fair enough, fair enough. I live okay, in the US. Sorry, I, wasn't all that. I live in the US and have been a Chelsea fan since 2006. <laughs> to paraphrase a cliche, you don't choose a football club, it chooses you. That's what happened to me. During the 2006 World Cup, I heard that Michael Ballack was joining Chelsea. So my son and I started to watch Chelsea and have never stopped. We were so excited about Chelsea, we travelled to the FA Cup semi-final against Blackburn at Old Trafford on April the 15th, 2007. On the train ride up, we met John, a lifelong fan, and his daughter, Rachel. I asked John if my son would encounter any unpleasantness wearing a Chelsea shirt in Manchester. He replied, don't worry, there'll be a lot of us around. That just hit me. He meant that if Chelsea fans saw my son being bothered by some Manx, they'd defend him, not knowing who he was, but slowly because he was also a Chelsea fan. I knew we were into something special. The match was amazing. Michael Essien almost splintered the crossbar, and when Michael Ballack scored, he ran to our corner to celebrate. I was hooked. Then I discovered your fan cast. Before that, I really didn't know what I didn't know. I certainly enjoyed watching the matches, but your programme added so much more to my appreciation of Chelsea. 
I learnt about the former players, the heartbreaks, the glorious victories against all odds and what it really meant to be Chelsea. I'm sure you know how your listeners enjoy and are entertained by your weekly efforts. But since you are lifelong Chelsea fans, I'm not sure you can appreciate how important your fan cast is in helping Chelsea fans around the world understand what it truly means to be a Chelsea supporter. When I listen to the podcast, it's like I'm sitting beside you at a match and in the pub. Well, as I said, I'm hooked and will be Chelsea till I die. I was sick to my stomach for a week after Moscow and was euphoric after Munich. Our team is in a wonderful place now and I hope it will continue for a long time. Keep up the good work. And boys, please have a beer on me. P.S. I'm thrilled that Jonathan will be reading this with his Shakespearean voice. Best wishes, Steve Bellagni. Did, did, Jake... It's, it's, it's not my Shakespearean voice, though, because this this <laughs> is my Shakespearean voice. That's two emails on the tr- where J.K. has got mentioned. Did he did, did he pick these out by any chance? Just <laughs> I'm just a thought. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, you know, not only that, not only that, but I, I mean, there was no rhyme or reason. I didn't think about how I put them all together. I just copied them off the email, put them straight in the script, and that was it. So it's just random, oh, random JK again, loving Chich, what, going wonderful. on there. I, there you I, go. I love um, the fact so much that, that, that we get yeah. to supporters around the world and, can, and this wonderful thing of being able to give the impression of what it's like to be a Chelsea fan is, is, uh, is abs- it's such a, a, brilliant, a brilliant way of communicating. I, I'm, I'm, I'm knocked out by this kind of thing. It's, um, it's something it, it never occurred to me. The the, the, the way yeah. that we have an ability to be able to, to give a, a, the essence of what it's like to watch the team, support the team, is a fabulous thing to be able to, to communicate around the world. I absolutely think it's brilliant. And down to you, Chief. Down to you, mate. Fantastic. Well, it's like, like I... Well, it's down to all... As I, as I always say, number one, it would be a pretty piss-poor show if it was just me waffling on, so don't underestimate how much you will contribute to that. But the other thing is, is that... It's bloody hard work, you know? It's hard doing this, but I have to say, in those moments where I think, God almighty, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 52 for God's sake. You You're know, not really, done. should I be doing this on a Monday night? And then I, then I get emails like that, and I get people who I bump into at the game, and they're just so grateful for what we do, and I just think, well, you know, that, that's why I do it. It's as simple as that. And, I, you know, like I said a minute ago about being in the pub listening to people who have been watching the Chelsea for years and how lovely it would be to listen to them. I would love to be able to... Wouldn't it be wonderful one day, everybody who listens to this show, who writes in, who, who likes what we do... to be, able to it would be brilliant. With yeah. all of them. It would brilliant. be just fantastic. It, it uh, would. Anyway, it would, mate. Would, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, you know. Um, so there we go. Um, Jonathan, um, off you go for the next one, because this is a cracker. And uh, By the way, this is Phil, Phil has, has sent me the longest uh, email stroke blog ever. Phil, I promise you that I, I'm going to edit your blog down into a series of them, and I will publish them on the fancast when I get uh, on the website when I get a moment, mate. Because they are just—it's—I mean, it's like eleven thousand words, like a book. I'm serious, but it's just brilliant. And in a sense, this email kind of epitomizes what what his this very is long Phil article is about. But anyway, Jonathan, off you go. Team. I'd love to see an expansion on a recent theme on the show and also in the midst of a chat room concerning encounters people have had with Chelsea players past or present, ideally away from football grounds, and the quirkier the better. Sadly, I share Tony Glover's inclination, see you've got to mention, towards the tongue-tied in such occasions. 
So my experiences tend to lean towards shaggy dog story territory. I'm not sure everyone is as lily-livered as me, though. And there must be some great anecdotes out there to rival Chell Tell's story of a drunken New Year's Eve in 1986 with the wayward and sadly departed John McNaught. The great aspect of that story was that John's finest hour in a Chelsea shirt came when he scored twice at home to QPR on New Year's Day 1987. I wonder if he even went to bed. On one occasion, I was merely a little unlucky. In the late 60s, before I'd even been to Stamford Bridge, I'm watching my dad play cricket in Windsor on a lovely summer's day. Adjacent to the cricket pitch are some grass tennis courts. Wielding the racket on the far side of the occupied court is a lean, tanned man, stripped to the waist, wearing a pair of long trousers. I recognise him immediately, largely because I'm obsessed with my A and B football card collection. I love the bubble gum that comes with them and that the bubble gum smell lingers on them for some while afterwards. I also love memorising all the player profile facts on the back of the cards. The topless tennis player is none other than Peter Osgood, centre forward, debut 1964 versus Workington. I look around for someone to share my joy at this discovery. I quickly find someone and return, but the tennis court is deserted. The great man has departed, seemingly in some field of dreams sort of way, because I haven't been gone long. For several years after, I tuck my autograph book next to the nodding dog in the back of our Wolseley 1500 car whenever the Windsor fixture comes around. Peter Osgood remains conspicuous by his absence. Eventually, I mention him to one of the Windsor cricketers. Oh, yeah, I used to live here. He's moved now, Epsom or somewhere. I'm crushed and never get to meet Peter Osgood, though I did briefly get to see him play tennis. Close, but no cigar. Bit unlucky that time, but on other occasions, I am simply rubbish. In the 80s and 90s, I work in a bookshop that gets occasional visits from Dave Sexton. He's working for the FA at Lillishaw at the time and is apparently a devotee of our philosophy section. I'm a West Stand Ventures regular in these years. Philosophy isn't big there. Kant is just something you shout at Teddy Sheringham. I once serve our extremely handsome first... <laughs> First FA Cup winning manager, selling him. <laughs> oh, sorry, that, that is a great line, that is. That is a cracking line. Sorry, I once served our extremely handsome first FA Cup winning manager, selling him some gardening books. But do I tell him of the impact he's had on my life? No. I say, hello, thank you, and in between... That will be £42.97p, please. Hopeless. And so it has always been. I walked down a narrow alleyway one day in Oxford and realised that the person walking towards me is Peter Hausman. He looks at me, but I don't speak. His face is as familiar to me as the Queen's head on a stamp. But in truth, I don't know him, so can't think of anything to say. A decade later, a similar thing happens around Stamford Bridge with Mickey Hazard now back to being a 24-7 Spurs bore, but then a great hero of mine, one rare ray of sunshine in the general gloom of the Hollins Wally era. After my parents retire to Dorset, the local newsagent is former blue John O'Rourke, but I don't find out it's him until he's retired. One wintry afternoon, I'm walking along the largely deserted beach along the Jurassic coast at M Moodford, 
when a familiar, short, stocky figure is ambling towards me. Lock up your wingers. It's none other than Ron Harris. He ambles by. I don't speak. <laughs> Pathetic. A couple of years later, I'm walking along the same stretch of beach in the opposite direction, remembering my non-encounter with Ron. I look up and a familiar, short, stocky figure is ambling towards me. It's Ron again. I still don't speak. Again. Pathetic. Again. The truly daft thing about this is I know several people who've had dealings with Ron Harris confirm that he's a top man, including one friend who hitched a lift off him one night and said he was great value. My spinelessness is hereby confirmed, but others will have done better, much better. So if Celestine Babayaro once borrowed your lawnmower or you crashed into Winston Bogard on the Dodgems at South Sea, then I, for one, would love to hear about it. Love the show. Keep up the great work, Phil. P.S. It's the 40th anniversary of Peter Hausman's death next week, Monday the 20th. It's still shocking that he was only 31 and that three other people, including Sally, his wife, lost their lives tragically and pointlessly that day too. I just YouTube Peter's brilliant performance on the beach of White Hart Lane against Watford in the 1970 FA Cup semi-final and reminded myself what an underestimated talent he was. Gone, but not forgotten by those of us lucky enough to see him play. Available for everybody else to see too via good old YouTube. Rest in peace. Well, of course, uh, yeah. we well, there was a yeah they had a, that was a great email. I mean, Phil, you are a legend, and I will put that blog on. Um, but uh, Jonathan, they, the Spy did a tribute to Peter Houseman last night at the game. They actually showed that clip on the yeah. big screen, and yeah, I think yeah. they had his grandchildren yeah. there, didn't he, he they? Was, he, he was annoyingly yeah. um, lovely. Uh, moment, some people very didn't touchy. like him as a player, and uh, and he was called he was called Mary, but by some of them, and uh, um, and yet uh, yeah, that's right. I, I always had a, a really soft spot for him. I thought he was fabulous. He had his wonderful curling crosses. Um, left-footed crosses would always just win their way into the box. It was just uh, uh, and, and Maisie yeah. running as well. He was a and obviously you know that uh, in, in, a, in a great team at a great time as well. Uh, I'm, I, yeah, it was and it was. Yeah, it goes back to what well. I said about when I first started supporting. It was that team. It was his his goal. His the goal that wriggled under Gary Sprake. Um, uh, who you know, was quite a respected goalkeeper until he threw the ball in his own net a couple of years later, I think. Yeah. Uh, did they? Uh, Peter Houseman was a very, very unsung One, thing. Yeah, and I think even worse was the fact that I think, um, you know, had the car been built to the standards today, because I, I believe it was actually the windscreen, you know, it was one of those old... Um, uh, not laminated ones, ones, but what they call toughened windscreens or something, you know. And the, I think, you know, it was that, that was the, the the primary cause of his death. So, you know, it's just the fact that you know a, a car with today's windscreens, he, he would have probably been okay. I think because it was a stone that went through it or something. And yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of lot of very interesting stories about that, but we we must go on because we are so over time. But I've got a very quick plug, which is very very important. So I I'm going to dispense with the other plugs and just read this one out because we're, you know, over time. Anyway, um, yeah, you may you lot out there, you may have uh, already known about this, but we the Chelsea Supporters Trust launched um, the Jack Whitley crowdfunding campaign, which uh, basically we're raising. 
£5,500 to recognise former Chelsea player Jack Whitley uh, with a memorial on the grave, on his grave in Brompton Cemetery. Now, the aim of the crowdfunding project is to raise enough money to erect, erect even, a memorial marking the final resting place of one of the Chelsea uh, one of Chelsea's most loyal servants. I mean, Jack Whitley, lovely guy, apparently. He's the only Chelsea footballer we know to have been buried in the cemetery next door to Stamford Bridge. And um, he served the club loyally and with distinction from the age of 29 to 61 as first-choice goalkeeper from 1907 to 1914 and then as first-team trainer from 1914 to 1939. Now, he died at Tring in Hertfordshire on the 5th of July 1955, a few months after the club won the league title for the first time. Um, aged 77. Now, sadly, at the moment, it's a common grave with no stone to acknowledge Jack's presence and his long association with the club uh, just across the railway line. And As he's the only occupant of the grave, we aim to obtain the relevant permissions and place a ledger or a flat slab uh, with a suitable inscription on repaying the commitment Jack showed to Stamford Bridge and Chelsea Football Club. Uh, to do this, we've got to raise around £5,500, and that's where the great Chelsea family comes in. Um, as well as chipping in uh, what you can afford yourself, please help make every Chelsea supporter you know aware of the crowdfunding exercise. Uh, the inscription that we uh, propose is as follows. Uh, in affectionate memory of John Jack Whitley, 11th of April 1878 to 5th of July 1955, loyal servant of Chelsea FC for 32 years, goalkeeper and first team trainer, who asked to be buried next to his beloved Stamford Bridge, Funded by Chelsea FC supporters 2017. Now, thus far, I mean, we launched this last Thursday, but we've raised nearly half of the five and a half thousand, which frankly is incredible in less than a week. Uh, but please, please, please donate whatever you can at justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Jack hyphen Whitley hyphen Grove, and that's W H I T L E Y. Uh, so there we go. I mean, a very, very worthwhile cause. Um, which, as I said, it's gained an awful lot of traction so far. We've got a lot of press about it too, and um, and I did a long ten minute interview with Talk Sport uh, last Friday. When was it? I don't know. The weekend, I think, about it. So uh, all good. So please, please, please be generous and let's get this funded. It's a it's a very very worthwhile project. Now after the break, um, we've got a bit more news about books uh, by the girl who likes balls, aka Alex Churchill. And Football Factory author John King, the sad plight of a young autistic lad facing a football banning order who needs our support and a special offer from the art of football. And even more emails. This could be a two and a half hour show tonight, but let's hope not. <laughs> real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you're listening to what could very possibly be the longest ever Chelsea Fancast. Uh, but uh, I'm delighted that we've got the wonderful... Lugubrious. Uh, lugubrious Jonathan Kidd. Mm. No, I know exactly Google what it, it means. Um, we've also got the fantastic... I know you do, darling. I know you do. Uh, Dan Silver, who, who I'm sorry has been quite quiet recently, which is not his fault. It's because... Uh, just about, yeah, yeah. Just I'm right. emails. Dan, are you still alive? <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> sorry about that. I promise we'll we'll hear more from you this part, I promise. And we've got the wonderful... Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm more uh, described Tony as Glover the ludicrous well. Tony Glover. 
Mm. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've got a few more shout-outs to give out, so bear with me, and then we'll be back with the emails uh, with Jonathan. But there's some important stuff uh, to, to note. Uh, Alex Churchill, who, as we know, has recently become far and away the most popular <laughs> member uh, of the Chelsea Fancast team since uh, me, uh, uh, actually, probably Chell Tell, to be honest. Uh, she's lovely, and I did an interview with her on the Beeb last night, and she didn't swear once, which is quite an achievement for her. Um, but uh, anybody who's listened to the show will also know that Alex writes a weekly blog. I haven't put it up today, but she tends to kind of let anybody use it, so no doubt you've already seen it. Uh, and she entitled it Girl Who Likes Balls. Now, Alex has got an idea to put all of these, plus a few kind of bits and things that you haven't seen seen before, together in a Kindle book, uh, which he's going to call Girl Who Likes Balls, Following Chelsea Home and Away, 2016-17. And it's available to pre-order from Amazon for £1.99. If you love her, I mean, I've compared her writing to Hunter S. Thompson meets football. I mean, I think she's that quirky and that good and that mad. Um, So go and pre-order her book. Just go and put in Girl Who Likes Balls in Amazon and you'll find it. Now this is much uh, more serious, and I, and really needs to. I need to get your attention, people. Now there is a blog on the uh, uh, Bonnie Rig Blues has just put up bits we haven't seen, not of Alex Bonnie Rig Blues, of her blogs. Tut tut. Uh, anyway, back to the uh, seriousness for a second. There is a blog on the Chelsea Fancast website at the moment entitled "Autistic Chelsea Fan Faces Ban." I urge you to go and read it uh, because. Uh, there was a young lad uh, who I, whose name I can't uh, mention on air, but uh, he will be appearing in court on the 21st of March as a result of uh, being caught at West Ham away with some pyro. Now, OK, we know that pyro is illegal at football and that you should never go anywhere near the ground with it. I mean, I know it looks great in Europe and they get away with it, but I'm afraid it is illegal here and we can't condone it. And that's how it is. But sadly, because this lad is autistic, he, he didn't have the ability to rash, you know, r- reason and have judgment about what he was doing. Uh, and he got arrested and, uh, you know, banged up for about 16 hours. And he now, as I said, he, he's got a court appearance on the 21st of March and he'll be punished as he should be. Um, but should he be banned for the statutory minimum of three years from attending football matches, it will be for him a very, uh, well, a sentence far more severe than for most uh, because it's the only light in his otherwise very difficult life and that will flicker out. Now, every court has a prerogative of mercy and that will be uh, the QC who is defending him. That will be his plea. And he would like to be able to tell the court that the supporters of Chelsea FC as members of the public and in whose interest banning orders are generally imposed join with him on this very unusual and exceptional occasion in a plea not to ban a very special and dedicated fan. Now, David Hislop QC is representing the lad, and he's asked me if this matter could be referred to anybody who may wish to write a letter of support, and he would be very grateful if they can be sent to him at d.hislop, H-I-S-L-O-P, d.hislop at Doughty Street, and that's D-O-U-G-H-T-Y Street, .co.uk, d.hislop at doughtystreet.co.uk before the case goes to court on March the 21st. Um, as I said, go and check out uh, the Chelsea Fancast website, chelseafancast.com, for that blog. It's Autistic Fan Faces Ban, but it's a very serious issue. And uh, I am personally very troubled that somebody who is frankly a bit vulnerable uh, may have something that's very important to him taken away because he's being judged by the same rules as everybody else. I know that there are intricacies involved with that, but I feel quite strongly about it. 
Um, right, another quick plug for John King's new book, uh, The Liberal Politics of Adolf Hitler. Brilliant title. Of course, John, as you may or may not know, is the author of The Football Factory and Human Punk. Uh, he's a good mate of mine. He's been on the show before. And his new book has been described as a cross between a brave new world, a clockwork orange, and 1984. Incredible. And talking of human punk, uh, John hosts a couple of punk evenings, booze and glory, with the Warriors knockoff Angry Itch on Friday the 21st of April at the 100 Club in Oxford Street. Tickets are £17.50 in advance from wegottickets.com and stargreen.com. And then there's a, a St George's Day special with Resistance 77, The Angry Agenda, and the Chelsea pensioner poet Dave Thompson, who is hilarious, by the way. And that's on Saturday the 22nd of April at the 100 Club, Oxford Street. Uh, now, John, uh, you can get his book, uh, The Liberal Politics of Adolf Hitler from Amazon, of course. And by the way, I, I'm about to read it and do a review of it, OK? So uh, watch this space. Uh, and last but by no means least, on the old plug front, we've got a very special offer for you from The Art of Football, who are offering some giveaways for their new poster, or print, really, and T-shirts entitled He's Done It, featuring a wonderful kind of abstracty version of Didier Drogba's penalty that won us the European Cup. Uh, now, if you're interested, email us and uh, we will draw out a lucky winner next week. The email address, of course, is chelseafancast at gmail.com. There we go. That's my stint this over. Is from uh, Jonathan, Quine, over Matt, to you, my friend. Uh, forgive me not knowing how to pronounce it. Um, evening, Chidge, JK, and the other boys and girls that are on tonight's show. <clears throat> um, I'm feeling a bit girly, yeah. Uh, watching the United game tonight has reminded me of something Chidge was talking about maybe a month ago. He suggested it might be a good idea to drop Pedro and play Fabregas to get a bit more flair on the pitch and allow Hazard to have a free role and allow the wing-backs to push on as winger with a more stable central midfield. Watching tonight has cemented my feelings that this will be a bad idea. People are talking about our formation this season as fixed, but it's not. It's probably the most fluid formation we've ever had. Yes, we have the three at the back with the wing-backs pulling back when we need to defend, but it's so much more than that. When teams with one striker try and pull us out of shape, Louise can follow, and we still have a four at the back. We then have a three-man midfield with Louise as a DM, and it's the old 4-3-3. When teams go narrow defensive against us, we effectively have four wingers with Hazard and Pedro, William tonight, like inside forwards, and Moses and Alonso overlapping. When teams try and shut down the width, we go to the old 4-2-3-1, and Moses pushes up alongside Pedro and Hazard and has Piliqueta, and as Piliqueta becomes a, a right back, giving teams more to think about centrally, forcing them to rethink. When Fabregas comes in for Matic, we still have all these options. But if you take out an outside forward for him, we're more limited in our options. An inside forward, I'm sorry. If you take out an inside forward for him, we're more limited in our options. This all shows the wonderful ability of all our players. Aspi is a centre-back and a right-back. Luis is a centre-back and defensive midfielder. Moses, a right-back and a winger. Alonso, a left-back and a winger. Pedro and Hazard are wingers, inside forwards and number 10s. This dynamism is what we've been missing when we've struggled to break teams down in seasons gone by, where we've had only plan A. Now plan A contains plan B and C without changing anything. Teams can't pick one way to defend, as we'll just change the way we attack. If we change the formation to bring Fabregas into a midfield three, some of these options disappear. 
I think if we stick with Conte in this system, teams won't be able to figure us out like they have in years gone by, when we can look forward to moving on to bigger and better things in Europe in the years to come. We need wing-back cover and another striker, then I'll be confident of a good Champions League run. I'm a 25-year-old from the Isle of Man, so I haven't been to the bridge since 2006, and I haven't seen Chelsea since 2009, because I consider myself a bit of a curse. I've seen us draw with Birmingham and lose to United and Bolton. And I also hate the lack of atmosphere at football. When it cost me nearly the price of a season ticket to get to one game, I want to be able to have a good time. But my overriding memory of football matches is how quiet they are compared to my other passion, rugby league. Yes, I know. Boo the egg chaser. I don't know how to bring back the atmosphere at football, but I doubt I'm the only fan who doesn't go to the games because the atmosphere, atmosphere is flat. I hear the argument that I should be going to try and bring it up if I feel that way, but I don't think I'll make enough of a difference, especially as I'd be on my own in a crowd and the overriding feeling from everyone seems to be that even if you sing, no one joins in around you. This would be compounded as I would end up in the East or West stands as I have no loyalty points and would only get to see the smaller teams. It's good to hear that the Supporters Trust, of which I'm a member, are looking into ways of improving this. And I think an area for those who want to sing would be a great idea. I could buy a ticket for that area and know that everyone around me would be in the mood for a sing-song. And it would be like the away support are. A close-knit group, intent on having a good time and supporting and motivating the team. Having been enjoying the pod since the FSW took over and I nearly lost my love for Chelsea. I've been enjoying, sorry, I'll read that again. I've been enjoying the pod since the FSW took over and I nearly lost my love for Chelsea. It was the fan cast that showed me that the club was more than the board, that more, the board, more than the board that seemed to hate us at that time. So I'm forever in your debt. Keep up the good work and up the Chelsea. Matt Quine. Brilliant email. I that, a lot of very good points. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the squad depth, I think, we could definitely improve. Um, but I think everything Conte's doing is, is, is completely right. He, he, know, he knows the formation. He brings the players in at the right time, like Fabregas in previous league games. Um, and we're very difficult to play against. People try and you know replicate the systems we're playing against, and very few teams have shut us out. I, mean, I think possibly West Brom came as close as anyone has done, apart from Spurs, to make it you know, difficult for us. But he managed to... You know, superior players pulled out. You know, a, a very good winner. Um, yes, I think we could potentially do with a perhaps a more defensive wing back um, to go in Moses' position. Should be playing. You know, in the way you appear match. I think Alonso's. You know, he's really raised his game. And he's he's looking very good. He may not be the best wing back, but he, he suits our system. Uh, the atmosphere, I think, is definitely something that you know can be can be discussed. I think, like in most clubs since the renaissance of football after probably Italian 90, we, we, we gained, you know, arguably 20,000 supporters and not all of them will want to sing. But I think that's more of a, fo a football problem rather than anything else. And the, I mean, the atmosphere last night was fantastic, so it does really depend on who you're playing um, and so on. But I, you know, I, I like what he says, you know, it'd be nice, hopefully he can get over for a game in the not-too-distant future, we can, you know, share a beer with him. Yeah be lovely too wouldn't it I, I it was i thought it was lovely to hear his comments about how we had kind of restored his faith in in in, in chelsea in, in a sense but also 
I feel his pain, and I, I'm sure there are loads of lads like him who just think, you know, why, why? Bo- I mean, I, I, I've heard it anecdotally from old and young, and you know, I'm a, a, a great believer in the ethnic cleansing of football, which I think is appalling. But I think that we have such an opportunity with the temporary stadium, wherever it may be, and of course going back into the redeveloped one to try and nail a lot of these issues. And I think the biggest one, the one, I think the one thing that we've lost most from when I started going to football to now is that ability that we had to be able to congregate together uh, and that allowed us to sing and, and just enjoy. I mean like I'll give you an example I mean I sit in my seat and I'm lucky because I sit near the back and Darren joined me last night and we stood up at the back I was with a mate we were standing up I mean it, it killed me because I'm too old to do it but you know it encouraged my engagement with the game and, and, and me to sing a lot more than I would normally it's really simple and if we could get back to something like that, safe standing would be an answer to that. I think we'll be on the right track. But I should stop waffling because we've got lots of emails to go on. This and, is from and, Rob and, and time is short. Jonathan, Evening off you go. I'll keep it brief. Lifelong fan, former season ticket holder, 10 plus years. But money in real life now means I make a game a season if I'm lucky. Regardless, I'll always be flying high and enjoying the podcast. As I approach 50 years old, I clearly remember there was a time post-Viali, pre-Roman, when I thought I'd never see a title-winning Chelsea, let alone Champions League winners. I'd need to reset my expectations to a cup every few years, a bit like Arsenal need to do. JM changed that, and it still warms my heart to remember his first stint in charge. JM did something to the fabric of Chelsea. Sure, Roman paid for everything, but I think we all know we wouldn't be the same if nice guy Claudio had stayed. I'm sure we'd have got there, but not so fast and so emphatically. I was saddened by the reaction of some of the some in the crowd last night abusing JM for doing exactly what he did for us. Like an ex, you still have feelings for. It's nice to see him with, with them, but he deserves respect for what he did while with us. With them, I should say. But he was, deserves respect for what he did while with us. After all, he'll still be a legend at Chelsea long after we're dead and buried. We're better than that. We are Chelsea. Thanks for the show. Keep the blue flag flying high and carefree, Rob. Yay. Yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much said that, didn't we? In, in we the, did. In the, in the first bit when we were doing the Judas Gate thing. So, yeah, you know, but I, I agree with those sentiments, Rob. And by the way, Rob, I got your email and the last bit I obviously haven't published, but I'm very sorry. He will know what I'm John talking Morgan. about. John uh, Morgan. Jonathan, the next email. Since I last wrote to you, I've been to a match. It was the FA Cup tie. Yeah, the FA Cup tie against Peterborough. Hooray! As I took my wife and children, I was as I took my wife and children. I was not able to join you for a pint before and after the game, but I guess there'll be a next time, sometime. The atmosphere that day can hardly be described as electric, and my youngest daughter, aged eleven, after about five minutes, turned to me and said, "Dad, when are we going to start singing?" I often find that children are able to sum up a situation in a few words, usually better than an adult ever could. I don't think you know last week about the number of songs with swear words, if necessarily right. And I think it's simply that lots of fans are not used to it anymore after 25 years without terraces, etc. It's up to us middle life and older fans to get them going. A process I've found is always helped by beer. On the subject of songs, I substitute other words for the F word when I've taught them to the kids. So my favourite terrorist song but has become stuff them all for the benefit of the kids. Anyway, for some small contribution, I tried to come up with a terrorist chant to help things along. This is to the tune of Motorhead's Ace of Spades. <clears throat> I expect you to sing this. I'm trying to be... 
If you yeah, like your football, then come and cheer the Blues. Win some, draw some, and we hate to lose. We love the way we play. Makes no difference. I can't do it all, but it's brilliant. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not of let me kill me. He might sound like that now, Jonathan. Now he's dead, but he didn't sound like that when he was alive. Mate, that was pretty good. I got to say, I did. I, I did. I had Jonathan, a go. You I always threw have a go. Into that. When in doubt, have a go. Um, just after John Terry was sent off in the Peterborough game, and then they scored to make it three-one. My eldest daughter, age thirteen, asked why. Why she suddenly felt very stressed and nervous. Yet again, a young adult had summed up what it is to be a Chelsea fan. Even when we're winning, we know that we're only a, a momentary lapse of concentration from snatching a draw or loss from the jaws of a deserved victory. And it makes the whole experience more stressful than it needs to be. Which brings me to last night's game against Manchester United. Both my kids found the whole thing very stressful and couldn't watch on TV after about 25 minutes. It was only as it was only one nil. It was pretty tense. I thought United started the game pretty strongly. I wasn't expecting a high press, and it certainly seemed a good plan. My youngest daughter was worried, but I told her that such tactics were energy sapping. Absolutely, they wouldn't keep it up. Fairly soon after, De Gea put the ball around the post from Hazard. Uh, very soon after, De Gea put the ball around the post from Hazard, and then saved Gary Cahill's shot from the corner. I thought the referee let quite a lot go, but have to give him a lot of credit for stopping the foul by rotation as practiced by Spurs at the bridge last year by sending off Herrera. As a qualified ref, I've always taken issue with the idea that players should be dealt with more leniently if they're on a yellow card. A yellow card is a final warning as to future conduct on the pitch. It isn't a license to carry on making fouls on the basis that good refs keep games at 11 versus 11. Replays show there was not much contact with the second yellow, but I played back the highlights this morning from the Beeb, and the commentator says that should be a yellow. Most of us thought so at full speed at first look, so no surprise. I won't comment on the rest of the cards or match, really, as I'm sure you'll do that, but the win was deserved, and it could have been more. If we're fortunate to capture the double at the end of the season, no one will give this game a second thought. Up the Chelsea, John O. P.S. The Manilo tune, Copacabana, for the Cesar Azpilicueta chant used to be for Zola. It didn't catch on back then either, but it went, his name is Zola, Gianfranco Zola. Uh, um, he, oh, no, I've got it wrong, haven't I? He's better than David Ginola. But that, that doesn't work. It's the it? right tune. It's the right tune, uh, isn't it? Yeah. It is, His yeah. name is Zola, Gianfranco Zola. Yeah. But how, do, how did it end then? He's better than... His name is Zola. That doesn't scan, Gianfranco does it? Zola. He's better than... That's probably why it didn't Nola. catch on. That would work, wouldn't it? <laughs> His name is Zola. Yeah, yeah. I love the I love the Cesar Aspilicueta one that Darren came up with. Actually, I by the way, talking of which, Darren had never heard the Batuai. Aha, aha, I like it. Aha, aha. Last night until I sang it to him. Uh, That's the trouble. I've never heard that. I said because he hardly ever plays, yes. mate. You know, which is kind of true. Yeah, very good. It's genius, though. Pablo came up with that one. Uh, that was a great email, though, John. And and you know, uh, I, I, again, I I, I I absolutely echo all of your sentiments. In Matt that. Huggins, um, hi, right, last love one, the show. JK. First time writing in. Just want to start by saying I'm delighted we're going back to Wembley and thought we played excellently last night. There's some controversy surrounding a section of the fans chanting 
off Mourinho last night. I'd like to try to approach it looking from both sides of the coin. Jose is and probably will always be our best ever manager. Without him, it's hard to imagine we will perhaps have enjoyed all the success since his first stint. Like Didier, Frank, Petter and co, he's a Chelsea legend and should be remembered as such. When he moved to Manchester United, it broke my heart. Not because I thought it would ultimately stop us winning silverware, but because I knew that the special relationship and bond with Chelsea and the fans would crack and diminish over time. It started after the 4-0 win in October. We left the match in a jubilant mood and heard a lone fan singing, Quack off Mourinho and you're not special anymore. I thought it was personally bang out of order and I couldn't get my head around it. Since that game, Jose has really enjoyed talking about Chelsea. How defensive we are, how we're only in the position we are because of our lack of European football. As the comments went on and on, I started to grow a very small dislike for, for a man I've idolised for years and years. It really has been a slow heartbreak for me, but it's something I knew was coming. I would never sing of Mourinho to a man who's given us so much, but it looks as though his comments have had the desired effect. He's shown Chelsea fans to look petty and childish and deflect attention from the Stoke City-like performance of Manchester United last night. I love Jose, and he's always going to have a place in my heart, but at the rate things are going, I can only see this relationship becoming more toxic. Toxic at a fast pace. I know that by the time you read the correspondence, you will have discussed this, but I'm interested to hear your opinions on the matter. Leaving on a positive note, Wembley, all the best, Matt Huggins. Well, what do you think, yeah. Dan? We kind of covered it, didn't we? I think we're thinking the man, you know, he, he will be a great manager, certainly for the foreseeable future, and you have to respect it. I don't, you know... It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult one. It's, it's talk, like talking about the UX that you really love, so you're not quite sure what, what to make of it. I think, respective of what he's achieved, I don't, I don't think it, he'll tarnish his achievements wherever he does at Manchester United. We just have to you know, be thankful that we had him, um, how fantastic he was for us, and you know, embrace the, the, well, was it five years we had with him in charge? Yeah, people move on. I mean, nothing we can do about it. He is who he is as a character, and your, your, your personal opinion of him is, 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 is valid, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't sully um, his achievements for us, in my view. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, you know, again, I'm going to plug my blog, which I've put up on Twitter for people to have a look at. It's getting some nice, nice comments. Thank you for that. But, um, you know, it yeah. is what it is. You know, time to move on. He's not our manager anymore, and and I think a lot of a lot of what was happening last night played into his hands uh, to to do what he normally does, which is a great shame. Um, boys, very quickly, do you want have you final words on that from you, Tony? Uh, yes, I, I mean I concur with what he's he's basically saying in there, and I think like you said, we covered it um, earlier on. I just think you know um, perhaps silence is the, the the better part of kind of valor just leave him alone let him get on with it and and whatever we you know we've we've got yeah. a yeah. brilliant brilliant feeling at the club it's like a black toxic cloud has, has gone away okay and I'm more interested in celebrating that and making stupid ass comments down the pub with you lot 
um, because that's that's the crack, isn't it? You know, that's it. You know, it goes back to you know, we'll, yeah, we'll mate, draw you a map. Absolutely. We'll draw you a map when I couldn't find my way to Imperial Wolf and never heard, you know, never been there before, and that kind of thing. You, you go to meet your mates, and and when we were in the pub, let's face it, even when we got tonked by City last year at Stamford Bridge, mate, me and you were in that Tommy Tucker afterwards with a load of others, pretty much celebrating instead of moaning. We, we we'd written the game off. It is, and uh, and that's that's for yeah, me what it's, it's bizarre, about. And Mourinho it? is a great part of history, yeah. but that's what he is, history. Yeah, Jonathan. Final word to you, my friend, because you've done so well with a massive amount of emails, for, for which we well, are just a, hugely a brilliant impressed, series of emails, and I hope that um, uh, I've done them justice because uh, um, it's it's just superb to get these all, all these these eloquent views about. Uh, about the club and uh, and the games, uh, uh, it's 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 it makes the podcast what it is. Actually, it makes it it makes it a really interesting uh, uh, it, uh, two hours to go by, and uh, and I'm so pleased that everybody is so um, into the whole show that they can they can write such interesting stuff, you know, which frequently just mirrors what we're talking about all the time, you know. So, uh, you know, brilliantly done, guys. Fantastic, mm. guys and girls. Well done. Well, I, I echo that totally, and I, I really appreciate it. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, quite honestly, we could have ditched the script tonight, just yeah, read and those and emails and out, and we would have had a great show. Because it's the same stuff you know. we've been talking about, exactly. So, uh... Yeah, exactly. Which maybe I'll do in the future, because it saved me about an hour a week. But anyway, no, I mean, in all, ser- <laughs> in all seriousness, they're that good, and that's the point I'm making. And I, we do really... I love, I love hearing Jonathan read them out. It's such a privilege to have somebody who... You know, he's a professional at this, and we're very honoured that he does it. But uh, I'm, I'm equally honoured, if not more so, that you lot take the time and the trouble to do it. It's, it's quite humbling. And as I said, we love receiving them, and we will always try and read them out on the show, even if we spend an hour or more doing it, because that's how I roll. <laughs> this is not the BBC. This is not talk sport. This is not traditional media. <laughs> I can do what the feck I like. And if I'm going to have nine emails in the show, I bloody well will. That's how I roll. <laughs> so send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com. And do it before. So you're not going to stop it because that comment on Facebook, then, mate. (laughs) Very. (laughs) Now that made me laugh. That did it. Maybe wait. Yeah, (laughs) you saw that. Yes, I did, mate. (laughs) You saw that. I well, I'm not. Yeah, uh, for 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 reasons of uh, discretion, I'm not mentioning it at all. Yes, and you'll know why because I thought it was very horrible. Actually, anyway, enough. Uh, right, uh, blessed, blessedly, we've got no more time. We've run out, uh, and I've really enjoyed it this week because it's always great having these guys uh, on the show. Uh, and it's always lovely to see them at the games as well. I'm, I'm really blessed. This is why we do it, really. Anyway, uh, just a quick plug for the Kerry Dixon show, of course, uh, which will be coming out this Thursday. Kerry and I will be uh, looking back at the Man United game and previewing the stock match, as uh, Antonio Conte wonderfully called them. Uh, which is coming up, of course, next month. Uh, well, the show will be coming up next Monday. The game is on uh, is on Saturday, of course. Uh, now, I will be back next Monday uh, together Yay. with guess who? We've got Jonathan back, of course. We've Yay. got yes, we've got Dan Silver back. Oh, Two uh, weeks in a row, Dan. That's me cheering. I'm you impressed? Was that you cheering or Jonathan? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, know. I know. Well, you know. That's very true. Well, anyway, look, nevertheless, A, we've got Dan back uh, next Monday. I'm also seeing Dan at the Supporters Trust board meeting on Thursday. 
Uh, but more interestingly for both of you two, because you won't know this, uh, but we'll have the first appearance from the lovely Oliver Harbord. Now, Oliver writes about Chelsea for Football.London, which is the place that I've put that uh, blog up tonight. So uh, it'd be very nice to have Oliver on the show. Oh, yeah, and nice to hear what he has to say about stuff, won't it, boys? It will, it will, it will, it will. Now, uh, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Dan at Dan Sills seventy three, and uh, Tony uh, at Grocer Jack UK. And of course, check out the website ChelseaFanCast.com. And many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Keep them coming, of course. Now. Many thanks to my superb guest this week. Tony, as always, a huge pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And I'm going to do a quick plug because there'll be a pod in shed due either this week or next week. So so anybody who's that that desperate or sad that wants to listen to my dulcet tones will hear me on that. But great night, Chidge. Great night. Jonathan, lovely to see you, as I said, and I'll hopefully catch up soon. Many thanks to my wonderful guests. They've been brilliant, uh, as have all of you lot in Mixler who amuse me with your uh, informative and sometimes downright hilarious posts on there. Uh, Thank you for listening, all of you out there on the podcast as well. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.